Did anyone, did anyone hear me at the beginning? I think the microphone was not turned on right at the beginning. Okay, all right, great. So um, we're gonna begin, as we always do, with the Pledge of Allegiance to our board members, Sal. Please stand. Thank you. Um, at this time, for board members or staff, any agenda changes to what's been posted? No. Okay, no agenda changes. Um, next item on the agenda, item number three, is non-agenda public comments. This is uh, time for allow anyone to speak for up to three minutes regarding a matter that's not on tonight's agenda. Do we have? Oh. If I may, I think we need to uh, do a roll call. Oh, of course. <laughs> Tried to like rush this along too fast. Yeah, right. <laughs> we have a okay. lot of people in the audience. Yes. Okay, yes. Sorry about that. Uh, staff, roll call. Thank you. Um, Board Member Sue. Here. Board Member Ruiz. Here. Board Member Saheba. Present. Board Member Cisneros. Here. Board Member Wang. Here. And President Hom. Here. Uh, Board member Ariza is absent. Okay, so we have a quorum with uh, six of the uh, board members here, one absent. Okay, well, moving on to what I previously announced, do we have any uh, members of the public wishing to make a comment that's not on tonight's agenda? I don't have any speaker slips, and there are no hands raised on Zoom. Okay, all right. Then we'll move on to the consent calendar. Consent calendar, only item on the consent calendar is the draft minutes of January 22nd, 2024. Um, are there any questions or revisions or edits by members of the board? None? Okay, great. Oops, um, let's see, a motion? I move to approve the consent calendar. Okay, moved by uh, Board Member Ruiz. Do we have a second? I'll second. Okay, seconded by Vice President Zaneros. So, all in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? And we have one abstention for the record. Okay, well now we're moving right into the regular agenda items. The first item is item 5A, and this is a application by uh, located at 2331 North Loop Road and is application from the Friends of the Alameda Animal Shelter for a final development permit, use permit, and design review for an interim veterinary services facility. So uh, staff, presentation please. Thank you, uh, President Hom. Waiting for the screen to warm up. Um, you know, David Sablon with the Planning, uh, Building, and Transportation Department. Um, so tonight, uh, uh, this item is for uh, the Friends of Alameda Animal Shelter. Um, this uh, project has come before uh, the board several times. Before uh, initially in June of 2019, the Planning Board approved the initial concept uh, for an animal shelter uh, at uh, at this location, and 
those approvals included a design review, final development plan, and plan development amendment, and then also a recommendation for zoning text amendment to change the CM zone um, to allow uh, animal shelters with a use permit within 200 feet of residences. Um, later that year in uh, September, the city council uh, adopted that uh, zoning text amendment. Um, and so now animal shelters are conditionally permitted within 200 uh, feet of uh, residential districts. Um, so following that adoption, then the uh, planning board was able to approve the conditional use permit for the, uh, uh, for the animal shelter, uh, outdoor dog runs and veterinary services. Um, and so this happened right before the, the out, you know, outbreak of, of COVID and, and the pandemic. And so uh, that kind of uh, changed the timeline for FOS for the applicant, um, as well as the ability to, to hold events for fundraising. Uh, and so uh, in January, uh, uh, I'm sorry, in, in June 2022, uh, I, I, a new design review application came in that reduced the size of the building um, and kind of changed the, the scope of the project itself. And instead of uh, having this be the, the main animal shelter location for FOS, this instead uh, was changed to more so veterinary services for uh, shelter animals and administrative offices. Um, and so again, um, you, through, through all the delays and being able to fundraise, um, uh, the applicant is, is moving forward to do a interim project because there is a dire need right now for veterinary services for, for the animal shelter, not just uh, Alameda's animal shelter, but the entire East Bay. I believe uh, a staff person for FOS has to drive out to uh, Pleasanton weekly uh, to, to have animals uh, receive their, their uh, spay and neutering. Um, and so uh, kind of go back, this is, was the, the approved building for the, for the uh, uh, from 2022. Um, and so the actions that are needed tonight, uh, the first one is for the conditional use permit uh, for the veterinary services, uh, spay and neutering of cats and dogs um, for the Fortman Way Animal Shelter. Um, for the outdoor use, there is a uh, dog run that is, uh, uh, will be for you know, animals uh, receiving uh, care there uh, and some training there. Um, in previous uh, use permit approvals, which uh, the you know, staff is recommending they adopt same conditions. Um, there's uh, you know, restrictions on the number of dogs that can be outside at any given time. This kind of match, four dogs matches up with what's allowed in residential zones, um, like the one next to the property. Uh, and also a requirement that there be a one-to-one -one ratio of, FA, of a FOS staff to um, dogs within the out outdoor run. Um, and then just by, it, it's not really uh, an animal shelter, but it meets our the city's definition of an animal shelter, uh, which is for the care of seized, stray, homeless, and abandoned animals. Um, but again, this is no longer being uh, going to be proposed for an adoption center uh, with long-term stays for animals, and it's not really anticipated that there would be overnight boarding of animals uh, at this location. Um, so uh, other action needed is the approval of the final development plan. Um, it, which is for the site layout, which includes the footprint of the building, uh, location of parking, and uh, outdoor uh, dog runs and landscaping. Um, and so we move on to the design review for the interim uh, building. Um, again, this is consistent with the, uh, the final development plan for the main building, uh, the permanent building. Um, and since you know shipping containers themselves don't really show up nicely on elevation drawings, um, we've, we have some uh, renderings for, 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 uh, for that. 
Um, so staff's recommendations are to hold a public hearing to uh, approve the conditional use permit subject to the conditions that staff is recommending, um, the final development plan and design review. Um, so I'm here to answer any questions you might have for staff. Uh, the applicant is here is, is ready to um, give a little presentation and also answer questions that might come along. Okay. And thank you, staff. Before we uh, have the applicant make the presentation, open up the public hearing. Uh, opportunity for questions from board members to staff on any items at this point. Uh, yeah, board member Sahiba. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. I just had a quick question. Um, so, is this a temporary structure or permanent structure? It, it's uh, well, it's anticipated to be temporary. Or yeah, it is. It, it's temporary, but okay. it will go through the regular building permits as as a permanent structure would. I see. And then um, will it revert back to the original uh, approval as yeah, a future? Yes, and so the approved, okay. that, that approved design uh, can be extended this year, and so it, it expired in 2026. I see, okay, thank you. Uh, board member Ruiz. Thank you for the presentation and full disclosure, I met with the applicant today during, over Zoom to discuss some of the questions I have on the plan. Um, question for you, um, conditional use permit approval, is that for current use or for future use as well? It would be for both, because the, the use of the property is, is, is going to be the same, it's just, uh, you know, but they'll, they'll have administrative offices essentially with the main building, so they would still have the veterinary services for the animal shelter at Fortman Way there, and then they would have administrative offices. But does the previous conditional use permit include the veterinarian services? I don't recall that being part of it. I don't believe so, but it, that So uh, this would use, be a change? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then, um, so again, the place will no longer be used is, are you talking about the current structure or the f the previously approved permanent structure when you talk about boarding services? I know the temporary structure does not have boarding services, but does the... No, it, it would be the same same you know intensity as far as veterinary services, but not no boarding services in, in the, the permanent building. In the permanent building, okay. It looks like we have, so we have three action plan three yes. items that need approval, right? Correct. Yes. So procedurally, does it make sense to separate the three motions or do you want to lump them together? Uh, they're no. all together in one resolution. Okay, yeah. got it. So it'll be Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions from board, okay, okay. Uh, board member Sal? Yeah, thank you for the presentation and for full disclosure, I also did meet with the applicant earlier today. Um, just one question looking at the, the kind of map, uh, on one of them it looks like there is a, a trail, and, and I've driven by this, and it looks like it's more just not a, like a permanent trail or, or one that's established, maybe just a use trail. Are there plans to keep that trail accessible? I know this is private property, but um, to kind of keep some connection there to that section of the lagoon? Yes, um, so uh, there is a uh, public utility easement over that, prop that, that section that uh, uh, prohibits any type of new structures there, and so that's why the the parking lot is over there. And so in the in the main building, you know, the permanent building design, there is a walkway that goes from that the trail ending, um, and so that kind of would stay uh, as is. Okay, and that'll and then in during the interim time, will there still? Sounds like there'll still be access. Yeah, yeah. It'll still be okay. accessible. Okay, thanks. 
Any other board question? Yeah, yeah. Um, Vice President Cineros. Um, thank you so much, and I'm I'm sorry. I'm just like confused all over again. Um, so the current um, FAS location is um, it's like in Central Alameda currently. Yeah, correct? it's a yeah, Fortman Way. Right. Okay. And then um, we're considering a conditional use permit for a temporary location at this 230 233 Lim Loop. So um, no, it's a, it's a permanent location, but the structure is anticipated to be temporarily there while they raise funding for the permanent building. Until yeah, and then yeah, the, and so the use doesn't would not go away once they start construction on the new one. Okay, and so the current permanent use would just be relocated to this? Um, uh, no, they'll have both locations. Yeah, yeah for yeah. the interim yeah. time period. No, 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 no. They'll, oh. they'll have, they'll keep, it's the Fortman Way is where the animals will be sheltered. Okay. And so that, and they're brought over here uh, to 2331 North Loop for spay and neutering services. Okay, for the vet services. Okay, got it. Um, okay, that makes, and then the uh, capacity is 37 dogs or cats. Um, at this temporary uh, location, is that right? Uh, no, that was no? for the, the main build, the oh, original, okay. original building in 2019, I think it was 37. Okay. Yeah, I What's think it's 14 now. 14? Yeah. Um, dogs and cats at this, okay. Um, okay, uh, that's helpful, thank you. Any other questions? Sorry, now oh, I have oh, to. Yeah, yeah. what member <laughs> is? Sorry, based on the uh, vice president's questions, now I have more questions. So am I understanding this correctly? Once the permanent structure is constructed on Harbor Bay, North Loop Road, then the foreman structure is still gonna stay, but as boarding services? Well, yeah, not, not services, for, I mean, but yeah, that's where the animals- facility. Were, yeah, facility, yes. And then, but in the previous approval that we approved, the development yes. had, had boarding service. So what you're saying is that program would change. Correct, yes, the, the scope of the project has been, has been uh, reduced so that the, the building's smaller and they're not gonna have all those animals there. So that means, is that project coming back for a revi no. no, but if the building gets smaller and the program change, wouldn't the building change? Yes, so you, uh, the planning board approved a different, a new design right. in uh, June that. 2022. Uh, the previous, in 2019, the, it was the first time the planning board approved a building there, and that was for the larger facility where right. the capacity for 37, and so that went away in 2022. And so it's because of um, the zoning text amendment kind of changing, th you know, the approval, changing, uh, separating the design review and the use permit approvals, that everything's kind of, you know, expiring at different times, and so this, this time we're kind of trying to approve everything at once and still have that uh, design review for the main building as well. Okay, so the 2022 plan does not have boarding facility. Uh, it's, I think it has room for it, but it's not something that, uh, you know, like I said, it's less animals, it's not 37, so they don't anticipate having animals stay overnight, but it's just more so for uh, those coming in, receiving care, staying there until it's, they can be moved and then bringing them back to the animal shelter. Okay, and the boarding facility will remain in Foreman. Correct. Got it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay, I think we're, we're um, I'm a little confused too, and I think you, I think board members are asking the same question. So just to be clear in my mind, um, and I realize this is a new application that replaces the previous one, 
but uh, so I'm trying to understand the difference between what we approved in 2022 and what's being proposed now. So I understand that they're no longer proposing any overnight boarding. They seem to recall in 2022 application, there was some yeah. overnight boarding. So that's been eliminated. There are any other programmatic changes uh, from what they got approval for in 2022 versus what they're proposing now? other than the boarding service change? Yeah, I think the, the building itself approved in 2022 had a, a, a bay for their, their RV, and uh -huh. so that okay. will be parked uh, under this, yeah. Is the, are there any architectural changes to the proposed permanent no. building that would require design review? No, there's no changes. So no changes, okay. So the, the other question is, what's, is there a difference in the actual proposed uses for the permanent building versus the temporary use with the uh, containers? Is there uh, a kind of difference, or is it going to be the same for same use scope of use yeah, for the, both the permanent uh -huh. proposal and the interim use with the containers? So the permanent proposal would add administrative offices, which don't need a use permit, which are just permitted by right. Okay. And so that would basically add a second floor to uh, uh, the building. Okay. So with the containers, where would the administrative offices be? They're, they're not there. They're, they're, yeah, they're just not going to. Okay. Not, yeah. So it would, oh, just it's basically same use, but without the administrative offices. Okay. And um, the containers are meant to be a temporary use. Is the applicant state, maybe the applicant can answer this question, how long they intend to have the containers. I know it obviously depends on the funding and all of that, but what's yeah, the anticipated the plan? Okay, we'll have the applicant uh, address that question. Um, at this point, any other question? Okay, board member Sahiba? Yeah, just a quick follow-up, uh, sort of technical question. In, in the plan that I'm looking at, A1.0, I see that on the um, north corner, uh, there's an overhead shade cloth structure um, over some gathering space. Mm -hmm. That creeps, um, a portion of it creeps over the property line uh, where to the daycare facility, Bright, Heis Bright Horizons facility. Yeah. Um, was that negotiated with the adjacent neighbor to do that? I don't believe so, but I think uh, at the building permit stage, it would not be uh, allowed, so it's gonna have to be reduced so that it's com entirely uh, on their property and not crossing over the property line. Okay. Um, all right. I, I mean, the, these look like specific, maybe prefabricated elements. So I'm not sure how it's going to line up with some of the containers as it's indicated here. So I would just, um, I guess, on a site plan sort of design review, seems like there's uh, something that needs to get adjusted. Okay, if that's the last questions for staff at this point, uh, opportunity for the applicant to provide a presentation and then we'll open up for public comments. Uh, thank you, President Hom, planning board members and staff. My name is John Lip. I'm the director of FAS. It's great to see you all again. Um, and, 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 I, and, I, and I appreciate the question. I realize this is a very confusing concept. So um, we have been managing the city's open intake shelter since 2012. Um, every year we bring in approximately 1,000 animals and we are able to save over 97% of them 
which is pretty much unheard of for a public shelter. Um, this plan, going back to 2019, we had originally planned to have overnight kennels in this facility. But during the pandemic, we realized building a second shelter was not the answer. Shelters are incredibly expensive to run and staff. And if you build them, you simply fill them. Um, and they do nothing to help stop the overpopulation. So um, to clarify really clear, we will not have any animals overnight in this facility. Um, instead, we wanted to focus on the nonprofit services that could have the biggest impact to control the pet population, keep people and their pets together, and keep animals out of the shelter system. So in 2022, we redesigned the facility as a spade neuter medical center with additional space so that we could do dog training for the public. And, and a side note here, we included classroom space in that because dog training is really about people training. Um, and having well-behaved dogs is certainly something we all want and, and important in Alameda. Um, and while we were committed to building this permanent new project, the 2022 model with the clinic and the dog training, um, the price tag of nearly $10 million was gonna take a long time to fundraise. So we looked for an interim solution that would be affordable, attractive, and most important, allow us to meet a rapid, move at rapid speed to address the spade neuter crisis facing Alameda and the entire state. Um, and as David mentioned, we are really in a crisis mode right now. There are over 344,000 shelter animals that do not have adequate access to veterinary care. 40% um, of our state shelters cannot provide consistent access to spay and neuter services, which are required in order to adopt an animal out. Um, and at FAS, every week we have to scramble to secure spay neuter appointments. Um, we are now driving to Pleasanton every single week just to do a spay neuter. Um, these conditions are negatively also impacting our Healthy Pets, Healthy People program, which provides support services to help low-income Alameda residents keep their pets and keep their people and pets together and out of the shelter system. Um, and the reality is unless we act now with this interim solution, the overpopulation will continue. Shelters will continue to be filled with animals, uh, waiting for basic medical care, and the length of stay will increase, which leads to worsening outcomes. It's a, a downward spiral that goes against our, our values in Alameda. Um, and this interim solution, which we're really proud of, allow FAS to do what we do best to expand our life-saving work uh, and it's so important to the people of Alameda. Thank you. Okay. Um, want to open it up for if, if board members have any questions of the applicant. No? Okay. Uh, Vice President Cineros. Uh Yeah, thank you. Um, I was curious how the fundraising campaign is going. Um, I'm curious if the is the two-year um, time extension like the typical for yeah, that, I guess that's also a staff question. <laughs> um, for a use permit extension, and um, yeah, and the, the reason for my question is I'm just wondering like how uh, close you are to um, meeting that timeline. Well, you, you mentioned the two-year? Yeah, um, because this would be like a two-year extension for through, I think, January 2026. So oh, like yeah, how yeah. far along are you with your fundraising campaign? So for, the, for this interim model, the whole thing is budgeted at $2.6 million. Um, towards this, we have raised $1.4 million to date. So we have enough money to start the process. Um, so we're moving pretty quickly. So we have to raise another $1.2 million to make it work. Um, but what I, what I know, what I've been fundraising for 35 years, is once you start a project and people see it's gonna actually happen, 
even the interim process, the money will come through. We're pretty confident about that. So it is, it will definitely, that much I can guarantee will be open within the two years, the interim, yeah. Thank you. So just follow up on that question from uh, the vice president. So uh, two years, so is that, does that mean that you're probably anticipating the temporary containers to be there for say two or three years? Uh, obviously, you know, it depends on the fundraising, but. Yeah, I can say we are committed to get the permanent, uh, the brick and mortar open as soon as possible. Um, it's hard to put a, a number on that. Aspirationally, yeah. I would yeah. say three to four years. Aspirationally, mm -hmm. we have to raise an additional probably seven million to do that. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, okay. we are very committed to that. And then um, another clarifying question regarding related to maybe the intensity of the use. Uh, based on the staffing that you're proposing, say at the temporary facility, how many dogs are you anticipating being able to service at any one time? So typically, we would hire a full-time, high-quality, high-volume spay-neuter veterinarian and support staff to do that. So we can probably do up to 25 animals a day, um, spay-neuters spay or dogs and cats. A day? A day, yeah. yeah. So typically what would happen is they would come in in the morning, they would arrive on site, dropped off around 8 a.m., and then they would have the surgeries throughout the day and then be picked up by four in the afternoon. It's a fairly okay. standard schedule, yeah. And then your closing out, closing time would be about four or five? Four or five, right, four right. Or five, okay, okay. All right, thank you. Any other questions that staff may have? Okay, at this point, I'm gonna open up the public hearing, but I first want to know how many speakers do we have on this item? Can you raise your hand and staff can also let me know Okay, we got, let's see, one, two, three, four. Um, any speakers virtually? Staff? Yeah, there's there, currently there's three people with their hand raised. Three people, so we have a total of seven people. Okay, um, I'm going to, as prerogative of, of the board president, I'm gonna limit your comments to two minutes apiece. So if you can, and then also, if um, in order to, efficiency, if, if one of the previous speakers are already covering the points that you already intend to make, um, please, you, know, you can simply uh, you know, reaffirm that you agree with a previous speaker and try to focus on any new comments that have not been raised. Thank you, so how do, do, you, do we alternate between the audience and virtual speakers and how staff would like to proceed? Yeah, we can do okay. that. So maybe we'll start off with a speaker from the audience. So the, the first speaker is uh, Kelly Lux. Good evening. I'm Kelly Lux. I'm a FAS board member, a longtime supporter, and I'm an adopter. I have a, I'm a foster failure through FAS. Um, I'm a city partner, and I'm a neighbor out at the business park. I'm actually two buildings down from our new site. I'm happy to be here to support tonight's resolution for the reapproval of the project at 2331 North Loop. FAS is the ultimate example of public and private partnership, and they provide critical services for all of us who live and work in Alameda. I applaud the organization's ability to adapt quickly to their creative solutions to the spay and neutered medical crisis facing our community. The interim step will allow FAS to begin offering critical needing, life-saving, spade and neutering, and veterinarian services for nearly 1,000 lost and abandoned and stray animals that take, we take in every year, but also provide low-cost services to the public. 
The low-cost dog training program will also help address one of the primary reasons people surrender um, their animals to the shelter, lack of proper chaining. Having well-behaved canine citizens in Alameda will be a great benefit for all of us. The shipping container model looks great. It's flexible, it's affordable, it's a brilliant solution to address the access to veterinary care crisis in our community. One of the major reasons FAS is so successful um, and beloved in our community is their ability to be creative, proactive for the people of Alameda um, and our animals. I'd like to thank the planning board for all your hard work and all you do to make this a great place to live and work. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Lutz. And uh, speaker. Uh, so next we have online uh, Stephen Jones. Stephen Jones. Hi, is my audio coming through? Yes, it is, and yeah, and just to remind, and if you didn't catch it already, two minutes, please. Yes, so the reason I called in tonight basically is to give the FOSH team and the board a heartfelt thank you for the long-term effort to bring this project to fruition, and to also give a big shout out to the city and the planning board for being so supportive. No doubt this is gonna be a crown jewel for FOSS and the citizens of Alameda. So again, as a lifelong resident of Alameda for 73 years, I am so pleased that we will have this center in our city. Job well done by everybody. Okay, thank you, Mr. Jones. Uh, next speaker, I'm from the member for the audience. Yeah, uh, next speaker is Melina Kim. Yes. Good evening. Uh, my name is Milena Kim. Thank you, Honorable President, Board Members, and the Planning Board City staff. I live at 315 Rado Road, one of the four properties bordering the project under review. Along with many of my neighbors, I strongly oppose the construction of an animal shelter. Um, we urge you to deny the final development plan and conditional use permit to construct an animal shelter in a commercial manufacturing zone. Zoning laws exist to protect landowners from adjacent activities and uses that wouldn't lower their quality of life or home value, an animal shelter would result in both a lowered quality of life as well as lowering the property values of adjacent residential neighborhood. We ask you to enforce the commercial zoning designated for this property and deny a conditional use permit. An animal shelter is simply not an appropriate use adjacency to daycares or residential neighborhoods. Most setbacks and easements in the proposed plans for the original permanent and interim temporary structures are broken, citing that the site geometry is too small to otherwise fit a structure. Simply because the site does not fit a structure suitable to the desired wants of the applicant is not an adequate reason to allow them to break the setback and easement laws which apply to the property. A small office could in fact fit in this property while complying with the setbacks and easements that regulate the property. The noise levels generated from an outdoor dog run area will impact the quality of life of the surrounding homes and adjacent daycare center. The draft resolution states that since we live near an airport that the additional noise of the dogs will be of no additional impact to us. The noise of an occasional airplane can't be compared to the barking of dogs directly adjacent to our backyards, separated by distance of 10 feet and a fence from our homes. A noise study should be performed to determine if the barking of dogs will have sound levels which adversely affect the education programs of the children attending the adjacent daycare. A veterinary clinic and office use should not require a dog yard to operate properly. 
the removal of the dog yard would solve some of the concerns we have, primarily relating to the noise issue. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you, Ms. Kim. Um, next, uh, an online speaker. Yeah, uh, next online is uh, Stanley Layson. Um, good evening. Uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to speak out. I'm um, uh, my family lives next to Melina, and uh, we're at three to one Rato, right behind where the um, the lot is going to be that that's going to be developed. So um, I agree with Melina on on those points about uh, uh, amendments that were done, uh, like uh, uh, changing the 200 feet restriction for, uh, and then the changing the setback from 35 feet to 23 feet. Um, also, um, the, the, even the, the reduced structures would, um, would block the, the, the walking path access for, that are being used by residents right now, and uh, not only by the area, but from some other neighborhoods that brings their kids to school. Um, so uh, also the business park employees use those uh, the, the same walking path to, um, um, to, to access the neighborhood. Uh, and uh, that's the other thing that the business park doesn't provide is uh, the green spaces for their employees. And uh, um, most of these employees uh, from the business park uses the neighborhood green parks or the residential green parks. And there's nothing in, in the business park that are uh, made available for the employees um, for to recreate. Um, also, the parking availability on this uh, neighborhood uh, is already constrained. Um, the business park us um, um, users are already have already expanded the the parking along the 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 main road, and then there's in the morning there's really, during the daytime there's really no space available anymore. So, so parking is at a premium. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Lisa. So, um, member of the audience. Yeah, next is uh, Fran Kahane. My name is Fran Kahane. I live at 8 Sousa Court in, uh, on the other side of the fence from this uh, planned facility. I wanted to say that I'm a 25-year resident and homeowner in this neighborhood, um, and I've also, as a donor and volunteer to animal shelters, I'm extremely disappointed in Fossa's behavior from the beginning as far as being a bad neighbor. Uh, they have not demonstrated the good faith neighbor behavior that they say they want to. Um, they have not provided sufficient uh, visible or timely notifications. Many of the neighbors that I know have not received notifications about these uh, proposals before they were approved. I also wanted to comment that I believe this group in front of me has really not done their responsible job, which is to ensure that the existing zoning and development or uh, regulations are upheld. They're there for a reason. And uh, as property owners, as people, as residents here, we ensure that this is your role and we expect you to protect us. Um, I think at this point, the group that I am a part of simply hope that you will consider that we have been trying to be accommodating, we've tried to be compromised, uh, and we just ask that our opinions and our positions be respected, and that includes things like not just rolling over and giving FOSS whatever they ask for, 
uh, and that, uh, just as one example, the walking path, it's not enough to say yes, there won't, there'll be a parking lot you can walk across. We need to have in writing, in perpetuity, access through that parking space from the public walking space because this is our community, this is our neighborhood, and this is how our children get to and from places, and this is how people go out and exercise in the community, and that's part of why we live here. So we don't appreciate that FOSS is being given a green light and whatever they ask for despite the neighbor's requests otherwise. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Kahan. Um, let's say I think we still have one more speaker online. Yes, uh, next speaker is Joanne Lamb. Hi, my name is Joanne Lamb. I'm a resident in the Kansamar community right behind where the FOSS would be. I'm also a mother with two children attending the daycare right next to the lot. And I have concerns about the safety protocols that we have not currently have in place because we have little toddlers walking through the daycare centers. We have the kinder care and the Bright Horizons, which is located right next to the FOSS lot would be. I'm curious to see if there are any safety protocols in terms of what the daily walks would be because we have children and toddlers going on daily walks to the lagoon and that would be highly interruptive to the children's daily nature walk to the lagoon and to walk around the neighborhood. I'm, I'm also very concerned about the safety of our children as, you know, children, they love animals and I bring them to the FOSS at South Shore to play with the animals. However, without um, supervision and safety measures, I would be very concerned about the safety of the children that are attending at the daycare centers adjacent to the Whitby FOSS lot. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ms. Lamb. And I think we have another member of the public. Yeah, next, next speaker is uh, Cynthia Chen. members, thank you for uh, hearing our concerns. I live at 301 Ratto Road, so I'm not sure how many of you have been down, down there. It sounds like board member Sal has seen it, but our fences are, are literally shared, so I share a fence with Bright Horizons. I'm certainly within 200 feet of this plan, and I did not receive a mailed notice about the hearing tonight or uh, an opportunity to respond in writing, which I definitely would have done prior to coming here tonight, but this was like a last minute, last ditch, you know, everyone heard about it literally the night before. Um, I just, I, you know, I don't do this a lot, but that doesn't seem like a very appropriate uh, plan. And from what I understand, it seems like the plans have changed repeatedly and very quickly. So what we understood to be a shelter is now a veterinary building. And, you know, to that effect, I'm not sure that I understand why an outdoor run is necessary, particularly if animals are coming in and out quickly for a spay-neuter procedure, why, why is there an outdoor run? My main concern is with sort of the, you know, the behavior of FAS in terms of how they've proposed these changes, and we are just as confused as you are, board members, um, with what the plans are and what they, how they've changed over time. Um, my concern is that they're really pushing these things through in a very haphazard fashion without considering the residents who are literally feet away 
Um, you know, we love being neighbors with Bright Horizons. There's a lot of foot traffic coming through the neighborhood. And I think if, if you were to expand this informational notice out to the wider neighborhood, people coming from the, um, the developments nearby frequently walk through. I mean, our road is a, a huge thoroughfare for families. Um, as has been previously said, families dropping off and picking up, but also getting out to the harbor. Um, so I really do urge you to, to look at the plans, especially this plan for the outdoor run. I think the children at Bright Horizons will be scared of hearing dog barks. The dogs will be scared of the, of the children as well. Um, so I hope that you guys are, are able to listen to our concerns. Thank you so much for hearing us. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Chen. Uh, any other staff, any other speakers? Yeah, we have two speakers online. Okay, two more online. Yes, any, uh, any uh, just real quick, any, anyone else from the public wanted to speak on this item? I mean, not the public, in the audience want to speak on this item? Okay, we have one more uh, audience speaker, so a total of three speakers, so that it? Okay, let's take uh, one of the online. Yeah, so Kerwin Allen is the next speaker. Good evening. My name is Kerwin Allen, and while I'm here in an unofficial capacity, I am the president of the Cantamar Homeowners Association, which um, encompasses the homes that are very close to this proposed uh, facility. I am a fan of FOSS and their philosophy, which distresses me because I'm, it makes me very torn between this project in its current form and the way this uh, project has made its way through uh, our regulatory system here in the city of Alameda. I do have a couple of questions I would just like to pose and perhaps the presenter can respond. Once this project is developed, there's a shared fence with several homeowners and how does re fence replacement occur with, uh, with FOSS as the, uh, as the neighbor? So that's just one very practical question. What is a sound uh, attenuating concept for the project, I, I haven't really seen any other than the statement that there's this one-to-one -one, uh, correspondence between a dog and a trainer. So is that the one mitigating factor for noise is that the trainer would take the dog back inside if it's making noise? Um, that doesn't seem to be very sufficient to me. And it, it also uh, is not, you know, it's not really, it's not very rigid. Um, many, this is now post COVID, very many people work at home and I would think that uh, noisy dogs might be a disturbance to them. Uh, lastly, I would just ask whether the original permanent provisions go into effect upon completion of the original permanent structure. This process seems to be confusing, not just to me, but obviously to members of the planning board as well by evidence of the questions that have been asked. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, thank you, Mr. Allen. So. Um, we had a member of the audience raise their hand that wanted to speak. So please come forward and provide your name, please. Hi, my name is Cecilia J. I'm also a resident on Rado Road. I was uh, part of the original group of people who opposed the development in uh, 2020, I think it was, because we, again, were blindsided by the fact that uh, FAS had been proposing this building and nobody had any notice about that. And we brought this up to them, but it seemed like it was pushed through. And again, we're kind of blindsided again. We find out about this uh, yesterday. Um, the big issue really is the outdoor dog runs. Everybody knows what FAST does. Everybody loves FAST. I love FAST. I do. But 
you're literally having dark barking untrained dogs 20 feet from my neighbor's windows. It's not even fences. So, and they have no plan except for, oh, they'll bring them back in. It's just, it's, it's disruptive. And it, 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 it's beyond common sense at this point. So um, I do appreciate the ability to, to speak. I, I hope that it, at the least we can delay the process to give the, the residents some time to formulate a, 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 better, a better challenge to what's, what's about to happen so that we can get some information so that we can present it to you and present our case. We're not anti-business. We knew that this, something was gonna go up back there. We just didn't expect it to be an animal shelter because it wasn't zoned for an animal shelter. How did that happen? In no other jurisdiction, you have an animal shelter so close to homes. Anyway, that's all I have to add. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you for your comment. I'm, my understanding is no longer proposed as an animal shelter, but uh, but we can get that clarified. Um, any, any other? Uh, one more online speaker, uh, Cynthia Chan. Okay, go ahead, Ms. Chan. Hi everyone, actually um, this is Tony Ng and Cynthia Chan is my wife, um, she's logged into the Zoom. However, uh, I'm a, we are residents of 327 Rado Road um, and you know, as many of my neighbors have already spoken uh, about some of our concerns, um, you know, I'm not going to talk about the dog run anymore because I think everyone's heard that. A couple of other concerns that I have is I, I think there is an event space you know, that's part of the plan. I don't, I don't know what kind of events, but, you know, again, when, when I think about events at, uh, you know, animal uh, services facility, I would imagine, at, you know, dogs and cats being outside and, and, and also a lot of noise. So, um, you know, I, I would hope that that would be kept to a minimum or, or would require um, a high amount of uh, approvals and, and, and notice in order to hold those types of events. Um, the other thing is about, yes, the path and the parking space lot that to me doesn't make any sense like as everyone has said already there's kids there are you know um you know, families using that path and with i think there's like five or six spots there with i don't know i, I saw something like rv hookups and stuff like that i mean that just to me does not sound right to put parking and and you know vehicles you know access to a public path and knowing how narrow that path is already um so Again, I, I think um, CJ said it right. I mean, maybe us as neighbors need to come together and get a little bit more time to kind of formulate our, you know, um, our concerns in a more formal manner. Um, but I, you know, highly oppose this uh, project as it currently stands. Um, thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Ng. Um, any other public comments? No. Okay. Um, I'd like to... At this point, before we get into the board discussion, allow an opportunity for the applicant to answer some of the questions and concerns been raised by the public. And I'm gonna like mention the ones that I heard that perhaps the applicant can uh, clarify. One was the question about the dog run, whether there will continue to be a dog run, and if so, what you know, what's the activity and how it will be used. Uh, second question had to do with uh, safety, you know, the, the, the access to walkway. And um, I guess one of the question is, has there been any coordination with sort of adjacent child care regarding, um, you know, how that can be coordinated? Let's see, a, a third question I had um, that was raised was there was mention about fencing, whether there's any 
proposal to rebuild fencing, perhaps a more sound attenuation, and uh, which relates to a fourth question is, given that you're talking about containers, you know, what, what type of sound attenuation might be proposed to reduce the noise concerns that neighbors are expressing? And then the final item <laughs> is there's, uh, was mentioned by the last speaker that they mentioned that they see some, some reference to events being planned for this site. So maybe you could elaborate on yeah, yeah. there's a lot of questions. Yeah, so I know, I can go. If I don't, if I don't <laughs> answer them, let me know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so first of all, again, when we first proposed this, it was designed to be a secondary shelter. Um, and so I think a lot of the concerns um, we've already addressed, we actually had a chance to meet with the neighbors. We knocked on the doors when we first started the process. Um, we were very transparent with the community. Um, and it was really important, to, the most important thing for us is to be a good neighbor. Why FAS is so successful is because of our relationship with the public. Without the public support, we cannot do what we do. It's as simple as that. Um, this facility itself, again, it's gonna be just a veterinary clinic. That's the primary service, so the animals will be coming in and they'll be gone probably by four or five, as you talked about, at the end of the day. Um, we did reach out to the daycare um, and we talked to the owners there. They were actually excited about us coming down. Um, that they, they actually wanted more of a shelter because they thought the kids could come by and bring the kids, they could talk to the, or hang out with the animals as well. So they won't have that opportunity right now. Um, safety is one of the most important things that we do at FAS. Um, and so this, this facility would uh, operate under the same guidelines, uh, state regulations that they have for veterinary clinics and practices. Um, in terms of the pathway, that from the very beginning, keeping that pathway open to the public was really important to us because we know how important it is to the neighbors as well, coming through there. We, um, <clears throat> the only events out there is, is we do have the adoption vehicle, it's a 26 foot, we call it the Cinta vehicle. Um, we, we would like to bring that out there on weekends or during uh, weekdays when all the businesses are in session to bring adoptable dogs out there to meet the public. That was part of the original approved plan as well. That would be the only primary event out there. And in terms of the, the, the dog play yard, that is strictly, it's not a public uh, play yard or public uh, space, it's strictly for dog training. Um, so the dogs would be brought over by the owners with the supervision of our, our professional dog trainers for dog training and they would go home, it'd be like an hour session. So hopefully we address those concerns. Okay. Um, I'm, what I'm about? I've got to the list in my mind. I'm yeah, no, no, no problem. I know that a lot. The other, the other question had to do with concerns about noise. So, yeah. what are what is being planned and to address the noise? Any noise concerns? Yeah, you know, we, it's Especially like any containers. veterinary clinic. Um, you, you look at the clinics like Park Center here in town or, or Providence, which are residential areas. There's usually not a lot of noise. The dogs come in. Uh, they're going to be usually sedated pretty quickly, um, and surgery will be performed, they'll be recovering and going home. So it's typically not an issue for veterinary clinics or practices to have a lot of noise. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And uh, before I open up public hearing, I did want opportunity for staff. There's a couple of comments regarding um, not receiving notice or sufficient notice of this item. I assume as a use permit, all of that, it was, there was a notice sent out to like 300 feet or, or yes. wider uh, distance? So maybe yes. Yes. For the record. Uh, yeah, so um, this 
item was originally uh, scheduled for the January 27th meeting, and so the uh, public notices were mailed out on January 16th, and then at the January 27th meeting, you continued it to this meeting. Um, so, but uh, per you know, Alameda Municipal Code, we sent it out to property owners and residents within 300 feet of the, the subject property. Okay, okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I also wanted to kind of clarify the, the sound attenuation. Um, the issue is, is because it's in the flight path of the, of the airport, we require that they uh, install sound attenuation on the building. And so it kind of works both ways. It protects the inside of the building uh, from sounds from the airport, but it also dampens sound coming out. So, so the containers or the permanent buildings would be include sound attenuation, noise Correct. attenuation. Yeah, and, and that's a condition of approval okay. in the res okay. resolution. That's, yeah, that's a, thanks for pointing that out. Um, okay, at this point, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Our most important thing is to be a good neighbor, um, and that's how we've operated so successfully for the past 13 years, and we'll continue to do so. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Um, at this point, I want to open up for board discussion or any additional questions of the applicant or staff. Uh, Vice President Cineros. Yeah, um, this is really helpful. I, I did have another clarifying question. Um, the uses sounded like it was for vet care. Um, in addition to that, um, bringing adoptable dogs for the weekend and for training. Um, is that right? Like, um, like what, can you talk a little bit more about the, um, the training and just repeat what you said about the uh, bringing the dogs on the weekend? Um, yeah, the training program would be a public program. Mm -hmm. So people would bring their dogs over and it'd be like probably like a one hour class that's typically done and they would take the dogs home. Uh, yeah, so it was strictly, okay. yeah, yeah, so they would not be shelter dogs or, or dogs that are there for vet services or hanging out there. Yeah, it would be a public program only. It's part of your preventative program, yeah. Um, yeah. the more upstream right. solution yeah. for yeah. this it's, effort. It's, yeah. it's part of our chance to offer some low-cost services for the public. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, okay, um, I'm going to um, hold off. And the adoption events, uh, we, we, again, people want us to bring our dogs out to the public. We take them out to shopping centers and, and mm -hmm. schools. Um, and so we thought we could bring our adoption vehicle out there on, on weekends occasionally for the homeowners uh, to meet our dogs or uh, for the uh, businesses as well. Okay. But that's, that's not a key part. The, the most important part of the project is the vet clinic piece of it, yeah. Okay, um, thank you so much. Of course. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll hold off on like saying like my final decision, but from the information I heard, I think this is a positive change in the right direction where this is um, you know, not going to be for overnight and therefore less noise for their surrounding neighbors. Um, it sounds like, um, you know, they're, they're trying to strike a balance here. Um, I think it's important to continue to commit to not having too much loud noises. So um, if, you know, the applicant can work with the neighbors on that, I think that's really important. Um, but I'd say high level, um, this seems like it's, again, going like more in the right direction for my support. Okay, thank, thank you for those comments. Um, board members, okay, board members, Zahiba. Thank you, uh, I had a few questions for the staff real quick. Um, again, I'm looking at the site plan, A10, 
And there's a new fence that's being proposed running west-east uh, from the neighbor's uh, adjacent fence all the way to the street. I'm, I'm a little confused how this fence works uh, because there also looks to be a connection to the parking. Uh, I don't know if you have it on the screen or you're following what I'm describing. Is there a gate in that fence or it just ends at the sidewalk and then you just, um, it, it's a little awkward the way this fence continues all the way to the property line adjacent to the sidewalk on North Loop. Can staff put up that sheet that uh, board member Sahiba is referring to so we can all understand? And while you're doing that, also I was curious, what is the actual um, material of the fence and how open is it? Because I, I couldn't find its uh, description of it. Uh, yeah, the site plan right there. Um, if you could zoom in. So the fence that divides the parking lot from the container facility, do you see it running? Uh, no, go, going all, yep, that one. Keep going down. It keeps going until it stops at the property line. Uh, th that will be a very odd fence. <laughs> so what, what, what's the purpose of it? Why, why is it doing this? Good evening, my name is Jim Moore. Uh, I work with Foz on, uh, used to be a board member, and have been working on this project from its inception. Um, that fence is mainly, actually part of what will be a pathway uh, to help define the pathway as has been discussed. If uh, there would be a gate to get into the facility, um, it may or may not end up happening just depending on how we fully develop the pathway itself. Okay, I, what's confusing is you could just walk right around that fence because it just continues and stops at the property line. So it, it, it's not actually posing much of a barrier except to the accessible parking or direct route. Yeah, we don't, in, we don't anticipate um, much of a need for security and um, it, it's mostly to protect pedestrians. It hasn't been fully developed yet, so we would work with staff on that, obviously. Okay, thank you. Uh, I, I'd say that we would need to have this further clarified since this is a design review for this site plan. It's, it's not clear. Uh, the second question I have for staff and maybe for the applicant, I agree with what the neighbors were saying as this being a critical connection um, into the neighborhood. That pathway has to you know retain. And actually, when you go up one plan to the final development plan that was proposed. Uh, I think the applicant did a nice job of making that connection, putting the bollards in. Looks like a more straightforward parking lot, quite honestly, without this fence um, running along it. And I think it enhances the concept of connection to the community 
and uh, something that even in the evening time with the bollards there, the community can feel safe using, connecting back, uh, if they're picking up their children from the daycare or, or whatever they may be doing. Why wasn't, and, and I'm not sure what this event pavilion is for, if it was for the community's use, because it looks like it's out there in the open. Um, why wasn't this portion of the site plan implemented with the stormwater planting and everything else we see here, and just the containers as being the element that gets modified from the building that was proposed? Because it, it, it seems to me more aesthetically pleasing in a way to uh, connect to the neighborhood better and actually make a better parking situation than what's being proposed. The staff have any comment on this? Or the applicant? I, I would say that if we were to, at least personally me, I, if I were to approve it, it would need to be with this design that was already approved. Because <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I'd like to limit this discussion to the containers and it being replacing the building, but not changing the parking and the rest of the site plan that we've already, I think the community would, would, would feel more comfortable with, I, I know I would. Um, so that's my commentary on specifically the path connection, because right now in the new site plan, the path doesn't connect, it just ends like it kind of does now, and I'm a little concerned that all it is is the gravel trail that's there right now, or just, you know, as it's worn through the grass, as, as the neighbors may know, when you frequent it. Okay, so the last question I have, um, the, the existing fence abutting 327 Rado, 321 Rado, and such, uh, it says, it, it and there's a memory garden um, if you go to the new plan. Yeah, right there. Um, I, this fence looks like it creeps into the memory garden, just an existing fence. So is there any sense of um, creating something a little bit more robust that creates a barrier, maybe a visual, maybe some acoustic between uh, this facility and the neighbor's yard? or it, it, is this truly the plan just to leave this existing fence kind of creeping in to the garden and back out? I don't know how far it continues. Um, and I don't know if this is a double fence, like the neighbor has a fence and now this is an existing fence. Uh, could, could I understand a bit more of what the, um, what, what the memory gardens program is? community space is also part of a fundraising part. So it'll be a, a, a public benches out there uh, for people to sit and enjoy themselves. And, the, and we'll have bricks that people can purchase um, for part of the fundraising and they can engrave in memory, primarily probably of a pet that's passed away as well. I see. Yeah. So there, so the memory garden is not an active space, so an to speak. Space, yeah. And it would create a buffer from the neighbors buffer, yeah. to the facility? Yeah. Okay. Understood. And we'll have a, where it says youth gardens, the same thing. It's part of that continued buffer, and we'll be selling bricks there at a lower cost because, you know, every day I get calls from Girl Scout troops and Boy Scouts and kids who use their birthday money and they want to contribute to help the animal shelter. So we want to be able to get bricks to recognize them. So yeah, that's what that is. Okay, understood. Yeah. 
thank you. I okay, thank believe you. that's all the questions okay. I have at the moment. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, board Member Ruiz. Um, thank you, President Hom, and thank you, the applicant and the um, community for providing your input. Uh, I have a question for the staff. Um, several public members have mentioned about the zoning code, and my understanding is that the zoning amendment has already been taken place by the city council, so this use, the veterinarian, veterinarian use is allowed in the current zone, correct? Correct, with the approval of the use permit, yes. Thank you. So there's no zoning code issue here? No. Okay, thank you. Then um, I, too, have similar comments and questions as to um, Board Member Sahiva. That those are the exact comments and my recommendations to, the, um, to FAS this afternoon when we spoke earlier. One is um, I would like to see, I understand why the, you know, paver parking is a, um, more costly than um, compacted gravel parking or temporary parking, but I would like to see the layout, the curb location and curb cut to be the same as future so you don't have to demolish it again um, to make way for the permanent parking. And also the previously approved plan shows landscaping around the site, especially in the front and the back adjacent to the neighbors. I think those are important and we'd like to see those landscaping um, plan implemented. And also, um, I just realized that this current plan does not have bicycle parking and the future plan, the permanent plan does, and we would like to. I think that is important. So by building <coughs> out the curb location, you may not need to do the paver parking, but by building out the curb location and the ballers now, you will create a continuous and protected path for the pedestrians and the neighbors, and I think that would be beneficial. So, um, those are my comments. Okay. <coughs> Thank you, Board Member Ruiz. Um, any other comments? Yeah. Board Member Wang. Thanks. Uh, thank you to staff for the report uh, and the applicant as well for offering me a direct briefing last week. Um, thank you to the commenters for their engagement with this item. Um, I think some of this has already been addressed with um, one of the earlier questions from Board Member Ruiz as well as the discussion of the city's definition of an animal shelter, but I just want to check because we're talking about the reapproval of um, a use permit for the for the final facility. I wanted to double check whether that still does contemplate the boarding of animals in its language or if that revised development plan from 2022 uh, does not contemplate that those uh, the boarding of animals. Um, so yeah, the the site plan that was approved, or the I'm sorry, the the floor plan that was approved didn't have the same number of uh, of uh, kennels or or uh, places. Um, it, it did or it did not. It did not. Did not. Uh, did not. Okay, thank you. Um, I, I think I generally appreciate the homeowners' concerns about uh, adjacency to use. They didn't anticipate. Um, I do echo uh, board member Cisneros' comments. Uh, generally about the direction that this is going and uh, also support the direction of the comments from board members Sahiba and Ruiz. I um, think it's a fine project. Uh, appreciate the practical 
interim approach given the state of fundraising. I do think the comments about landscaping land well and make a lot of sense um, are quite reasonable. Okay, thank you. Any other board comments? Yeah, board member Zhao. Um, thank you, President Hom, and um, yeah, appreciate uh, staff and applicants' presentation and, and want to recognize and appreciate the public for, for coming out and, and, and providing comments and their concerns, which I, I recognize. Um, and so I want to echo uh, uh, Ruiz's and Sahiba's uh, comments about the pathway. Um, you know, I, I do think something can be done here, uh, hopefully, to uh, you know, provide something more, more direct and accessible uh, in the interim state of, of the project. Um, I, I do have a clarifying question. Um, so regarding the, the veterinary services, um, you know, I know this has been changing now and now it's, it's you know, just something where, where there's no overnight stay. Um, and so is it right to say that, you know, you have a maximum number of 14 dogs that can be here at any one time. And so, you know, once the shelter or this use closes for the day, does that mean that, you know, all these 14 animals are gone and then the next day you could have up to 14 coming in. Um, and just to elaborate that, you know, as I understand, sometimes you, you bring an animal in for care. Um, it may be that they, you know, they can't leave for the night, right? They got to stay overnight for care because they're just not in a state to be transported. So if you could just shed a little more light on, um, you know, and I know it's hard to you know, estimate, you know, how many you might have in one day, but just kind of elaborating a little more about you know, may you, are there instances where you may have to have some, you know, an animal overnight, and maybe that's something we need to clarify a little more in our, in our permit. Um, so, so it's designed to be a spay neuter clinic, which means the animals will not be there overnight. It's not an intensive care unit or an emergency clinic, so um, if an animal uh, was say crashed or whatever, we would, we would transfer it to an emergency clinic that we work with, and there's several in the Bay Area that we partner with. Okay. As well. Yep. Oh yeah. So just to clarify, then, then really what you're just doing here is it's mainly just spay and neuter. You don't anticipate doing spay, any other spay neuters and dentals. Those are the two biggest things we see in shelter animals and for the public as well. Yeah, and those are all day procedures. Okay. Thanks. Of course. Yep. Before you sit down, could I? Of course. <laughs> just this is a follow up. You know, you you kind of describe um, the events. I think there's questions that like uh, Vice President Cineros wrote. Uh, asked so the the dog yard uh, training area. So is that area main is or exclusively being used for these so-called public one-hour events, or is there any other type of events you're planning no, for no, that I mean, space? Ju just for public dog training for the space. Okay, yeah. those one-hour events. Yeah, okay, one-hour. That's typical. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure that's the case, and. Um, and there's not a proposal at this time to replace or um, or enhance the fencing along the rear of the homeowners. You know, we can. We can. I mean, we are the the comments about the landscaping. We're absolutely committed to that. Working with staff on that one as well. I think it's really important. As I said, the the pathway was probably one of the first things we talked about when we got the land. How we can make that work for the neighbors, and make it look good and be safe as well. So we're absolutely committed to that. Yeah. In terms of the fence materials, you want to talk about that? Yeah, we, we actually did have uh, quite a bit of interaction with the neighbors, and one of the things that we did commit to was either rebuilding or maintaining uh, the fence along the property line. Uh, at one point, we had a rooftop dog run. We scaled that down. Um, and then the, I, I absolutely agree with the comments about using the existing 
landscape plan as a template. There are some things that we may not be able to afford to completely implement right off the way, right off the bat. Um, but the whole idea was to keep this within the footprint of the original building so that we capture the improvements for the for the um, for the building. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, um, Board Member Ruiz. Board Member um, President Hom, I thank you for the explanation. I do have a follow-up question. Um, in oh, addressing, there's a follow-up question. In addressing the neighbors' concerns, and I understand you mentioned that the um, training hours are limited to one hour per session. Would you be open to a condition that actually limits the uh, amount of hours you would um, for the outdoor? training area use, similar to what we have implemented in some of the um, the, the, the garden in Waba, in West End, just kind of limiting the hours. Now, would you be open to that? Yeah, and, and, I, and I believe, and David can clarify, I think we, we'd already done that in the last 2022. We, we put that limitations on the hours. You, I saw the limitations on the hours of operation, which is eight to eight but I'm specifically talking about the outdoor use of the dog training area to uh, limit it further so that to guarantee, to you know, give neighbor more quiet time or guaranteed quiet time. Yeah, yeah, of course, yes, absolutely, could, yeah. Could it might be, um, you know, stated in a way where since they're one hour events and that's the only use, kind of setting a maximum of X number of events per day or per week, could that, could that work? Yeah, and, and, and honestly, I'm thinking it's to be primarily a, a weekend activity, a daytime weekend activity. Okay. So, okay. so how many events, you know, generally might you try to plan uh, on the weekends? Y you know, it depends on, on demand, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm guessing four to six. Four to six. Yeah. Uh, per day or per weekend? No, throughout the weekend, yeah. For the weekend, yeah. Okay. And there will be no use during the weekdays. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, it's hard for me to imagine right now, right? Because I know with 8 o'clock, I mean, there, there, there's, there is demand after work for that. Right. Um, we could certainly, you know, work with the neighbors on that. But again, it would be, you know, I haven't programmed that piece of it out, to be very honest yet. But okay. we, could, we could definitely mm -hmm. work with the neighbors. Yeah. We want to make sure. That, that might... Um, Add to the comfort level of neighbors if they know there's I think it's I, not open-ended. Yeah, course. I would like to kind of start with just the weekends. And if you feel that you want to amend that condition, you can come back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amend that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that seems very reasonable, of okay. course. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank okay, you. thank you. Um, I, I just want to add that I, I share a lot of the board members' concerns. I, I actually misread the plans. I thought that your final development plan, you were gonna implement that except for the, the trailers, I mean, yeah, the containers, um, g rather than the second plan, which is that more temporary site plan. Given that the containers are likely to be out there for like two to three, maybe even four years, depending on your fundraising, it would seem important to not just accept a temporary path uh, for three to four years and be beneficial to put in the, I know it's added costs, but I think uh, it'd be beneficial to put a right up front, you know, putting in the site improvements, um, you know, very close to perhaps what the permanent proposal is because the temporary facility seems 
you know, it was only six months or even less than a year, maybe, but it's like, I'm guessing, you know, I, I hope you can get this built in two years, but you know, I'll, I know how it is, so it could be, you know, three, four years, so it'd be, um, so I support uh, the concerns or the comments made by the board members of trying to um, put in the improvements sooner than later. Um, I do like the idea, especially, um, I, I like the idea also limiting the number of events just for the for the comfort level of neighbors, but maybe looking into if there's any sound attenuation that might be desirable along the property line for the homeowners. I think that would be beneficial. And then uh, one question just for staff, just because it was brought up and, and there might be a little bit of misunderstanding. There's, I know the staff report mentions as in the zoning, there's a proposed reduction through the PD of reducing the setback to 23 feet. Can staff kind of show on the site plan where that reduction is actually happening? I'm guessing that it's right at the corner uh, where the cul-de-sac is, but if you can kind of clarify that aspect because I know it's an irregular site. Yeah, um, I don't know if you can see. Uh, if you have a pointer or something, you can. Yeah, but I'm kind of waiting for the screen to turn on. Okay. For the, yeah. um, but essentially, I think it was, uh, so the setback that's being changed um, was, again, at, at the street, but also at the rear, I think uh, the required setback was 35 feet uh, under the original PD. And so uh, this line here is the, uh, what was approved uh, in the plan development amendment in 2019, uh, reducing that to 23 feet. Don't so, line the 23 foot yeah, line. so previously, I think probably somewhere around here is where uh, basically, yeah, this would be like the building envelope allowed under the previous uh, uh, guidelines. Okay, so you see a portion of those containers, um, I don't know which orientation it is, but portion of the containers would looks like it encroaches into the setback area by about 12 feet or so, right? Uh, into the original setback, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to understand where the yeah. setback is. Okay. Um, okay. At this point, uh, are there any other comments from planning board members? Um, I heard a lot of uh, good suggestions, but I wanted to open it Oh, oh yeah, okay. Who's that guy? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good evening, President Hom and yeah, thank planning you. board members. Alan Tai, planning director. Um, I want to point out a very important condition in the draft resolution from staff, and this is, uh, and I also want to thank the neighbors for coming out. Um, condition number five in the draft resolution caps the number of animals and number of dogs. That could be at the outdoor, in the outdoor dog run at any given time to four animals. And unbeknownst to many, I, uh, in the Alameda Municipal Code, we also cap the number of dogs that a typical residence can have to three. So we're when, and there's an exception for veterinary clinics and similar facilities. So when we crafted the condition, we were really trying to um, use a typical residential neighbor as a benchmark. The idea is, hey, if these residential neighbors can have three dogs in their backyard at any given time without any restrictions, then really this FOS facility with four dogs is, is very reasonable. If the planning board believes that you wanna match it to the three dogs, you could also 
impose that requirement. I think that's a simple um, solution to some of the neighbors' concerns. I guess the question I have, based on this discussion, my impression is that that there's not really going to be the need for a dog run, or if I'm misunderstanding that, that the only really outdoor activity is this training event that they plan to hold mainly on the weekends. But m maybe I misheard. So there's, is there still a need, a proposal for an actual dog run? No. Okay. So, so, so in a way, we can replace that condition with something like more suitable to like what Board Member Ruiz. Correct. Mentioned. And if you want to keep the limit on the number of animals, then for a frame of reference, it's really the, the amount of animal activity that's outdoors would potentially be lighter than if all of the neighbors had three dogs in their backyard in any yeah. given time. Yeah, no, understood. Okay. I just want to yeah, put no, that in thank, the record. Thank you for that clarification. Appreciate it. President oh, oh. Hall, I have a follow up question. Mm -hmm. Thank you, um, Director Tai. Question. Um, so are you suggesting that we limit, or are you saying that it's an option for us to limit the number of dogs in the outdoor training area? And is that consistent with typical training class? So is, is a typical training class, I mean, I've certainly taken my dog to obedient class before, um, but I, I remember it was more than four dogs, so. Yeah, how, how? I was merely pointing that condition out. Okay. Um, reflecting that we have thought about the issue about noise and trying to use a typical residential setting as a benchmark when we were trying to set the condition. It's totally the board's prerogative to decide whether uh, the, the, the conditions are adequate or not. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like the use proposal has changed, so the condition may need to be crafted to um, kind of address the actual proposed use. But um, I think at this point, I want to open up to board members for who wants to take a stab at offering a, a motion. Uh, I'll take a stab. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I'll move to approve the continued conditional use for the updated um, described uses and uh, design review um, according to the previous plan. Um, and add a condition of limiting the number of public events uh, for a number to be determined with the applicant and staff as appropriate. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I missed any big things. <laughs> I think there May was, I um, add a condition to that? I feel very strongly about um, adding landscaping and also uh, maintaining the pathway and also um, I would state the condition to work with the staff to implement the um, previously approved site plan, including landscaping and curb cut locations to provide a safe pathway for mm -hmm. pedestrians. I would also like to add a condition to include bicycle parking as well. Okay, okay, pathway and uh, bicycle, is that Amendment. First of all, we need us uh, before I jumped into it. We need a second to the motion that Vice President. Did, did you second well, that motion? No. I, I, oh no. I I'm think sure. it's the motion is still being clarified yes. um, before it can be seconded. It, okay. it, and then, if I could add to it, I think I agree with 
board member Reese, uh, if we could just implement the original approved site plan yeah. outside of the building footprint, uh, that that would that has bike bicycle parking in it as well. Right, but they did say that they cannot afford the pavers. Oh, that's why okay. I didn't do it that way. Oh, I see. Okay, so my main concern is the curb location, because if your curb location is and you know all your if they're still yeah. in the right location, then okay. that will save the money in the long run. Including the bollard lighting to be done initially as well. I think all the lighting will be required once you go into photometrics, mm -hmm. right? Because there's not going to be enough light out there. Okay, so then they, so they that, should that just will be follow this care plan. Of in the building department okay. level. And what about the, the planting, the trees? The planting trees, yes, I would like to see the, the landscaping implemented. Okay, so it as, as a, as a <laughs> nice gesture to, you know, to provide additional buffer between our, the temporary facility and the neighbors. Okay, understood. I, I'd just like to add one more thing to this yeah, motion. go ahead. Which is to reduce this fence that goes to the property line on North Loop, mm -hmm. to cut it back all the way to where the north, or the new the new gate is, because I'm not sure why it's extended past that point. Mm -hmm. um, which, that gate opens out onto the, back into the memory garden and such. Okay. Anything else? So here, I'm gonna. Oh, one, one, one oh, more. Yeah. Go Sorry, and and I mentioned this earlier, but um, not to. Uh, I mean, this is going to be clarified in the site plan, but the shade structure oh, yeah, the just shade to structure study that. It's that overhangs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm gonna take a attempt to kind of restate what I hear is uh, Vice Member Sonaris's motion with the amendments suggested by board members. So the the um, motion is to approve the final development plan, the use permit, and the design review for the interim veterinarian service facility with the following um, conditions. One, to me, it would be replacing the dog run condition with uh, limitation, and clarify if that's not your intent, the limitation of the number of public events to be held in that outdoor area to be determined and discussions with staff and I would say also with the neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, and second is, um, w uh, which I agree, substantially implement the original landscaping pathway plan and you know, bicycle parking plan as originally approved um, under the, I guess, 2022 permit, is that what it is, or the 2020 permit, yeah. I would be open to some flexibility about the vector paving in the parking lot for now, but I don't don't think it should be gravel, you know, just because it kicks up dust and things. But anyway, substantially implement that plan. A third is to reduce the fence, uh, pull it back to the gate, and and the fourth condition is to adjust the shade overhang so it stays within the property line. Is there any other? Uh, Beautiful summary. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about beautiful, but at least hopefully it's accurate. Uh, but okay, now uh, second to that motion. Oh, staff, any comments? I just, I, I do want to clarify. I think you need to specify the events on the weekend. Um, 
I, mm -hmm. we can't just leave it to staff no. and somebody to figure it out. So I think if you wanted to say four per day, four hours per day, I don't, I don't know what the right number is, but mm -hmm. I think we need to okay. decide now. Applicants said six four to for the six, weekend. and on the weekends, I guess my suggestion might be, you know, up to six on the weekends, which is Saturday and Sunday, but for now, only the weekends and then no weekday for the time being. Is that, yeah. that, sound that sounds right. acceptable? Mm -hmm. Up to six for the weekend. Okay. Yeah, and, and to add, I mean, do we want to set a limit on like the number of animals that we present during those events or? Um, I, I don't think so. I think it, um, I, I like to hear the applicant's response to that. Um, I think, it, I don't know, I, I kind of, what's reasonable, I guess, for like a, a class, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if you have a reaction to that. Um, uh, you you want to suggest a maximum like number per event? Yeah, I mean, I, ideally, you, you have to look at the cost-benefit analysis too, right? So if it's <laughs> on the dog class, that would be probably about up to six dogs. There's also a safety issue too. We don't want any more than that. Mm -hmm. because we have too many dogs and owners who are okay. not properly trained yet. So um, that, would be, that would be my ideal scenario. So up, up to six dogs up to six, and up to yeah. six events. Up to yeah. six uh, dogs per event and up yeah. to six per weekend yeah, to start be, off. That, give, that gives us the flexibility and I think that would make a big impact for the public as well. Okay. Yeah, and just to clarify, are we saying four to six um, on Saturday and four to six on Sunday or just four to six in total? total. In total. To okay. total, total up to six okay. for the weekend, okay. so both days. And hearing that you're finding up to six per event is acceptable to you. It is. Okay. So the condition will be amended to reflect that. Okay. Uh, that's, that's good. We know that makes it uh, probably simpler. Um, okay. So we have motion by Vice President Cerneros. I think second, was it seconded by Board Member Sahiba or? I will second it now. Okay. Oh, second. we don't have a second. Okay. Now we do. Okay. <laughs> Didn't want to put you on the spot to make the second it, but that's fine. Okay. We have um, motion on the floor and um, for the vote. All in favor? Aye. 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 Um, and no, and no, obvious no. So we have six approval, one abstention. The the application is approved with those amended conditions or added conditions. Okay. Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. I want to thank you, members of the public, for coming out tonight on this item, and also thank you for the applicant for being flexible in, um, in hearing out the concerns of the residents. Okay, we have a, okay. Give a moment for people to, shuffle out if they would like, though you're welcome to stay for the entire meeting. Mm -hmm. um, Feels like old times in here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, we're moving on to item 5B, which is um, uh, an application at 1413 Park Street. It's a use permit uh, by the Triumphant Life Church of Alameda uh, to consider a use permit to allow community assembly inside an approximately 3,300 square foot commercial storefront. Uh, with that, uh, staff presentation. 
Good evening, President Hom and members of the planning board. My name is Brian McGuire, planner two with the planning, building, and transportation department. Um, thank you for the introduction of the item. Uh, we're here to talk about a use permit for community assembly use um, in the in the Park Street district at fourteen thirteen Park Street. Um, so in this case, it's a like you said, Triumphant Life Church is the applicant. Um, leased the former Tot Tank location. Um, uh, right in the center of the Park Street Business District. Um, it is zoned community commercial with a theater combining uh, district overlay. Um, and it, the property has a community mixed use designation, designation in the general plan land use element. Um, so the, the applicant leased the space um, at the beginning of last year, made some modifications to the space um, without, uh, unfortunately, without the benefit of building permits and began occupying the space and holding assemblies shortly thereafter. Um, the applicant's proposing to use the space for their church, a community assembly use as uh, considered in our zoning code, as well as to operate a uh, bookstore in the space as an accessory use. This change from a retail use to an assembly use, um, holding services as a place of worship, raised a number of questions for staff once we were made aware of the situation. Um, assembly occupancies have their own building code requirements. It's, you know, it's different occupancy than a retail use, potential for larger, denser crowds. Um, so this means the applicant needs to obtain a new certificate of occupancy from the permit center, which will take some building modifications to achieve things like needed fire separation, ADA access, um, and the like. That's a ministerial process handled by the permit center, code enforcement, um, you know, the building division handles that side. Um, and they've made substantial progress in um, obtaining that uh, building permit. And so at this point, we um, think it's the right time to bring to the planning board um, the other half of the equation, which is the zoning code question. Um, the municipal code allows a number of uses, of course, in the community commercial district by right, and a number of uses are permitted conditionally if the planning board approves a use permit. Community assembly is one of those uses allowed in the district with approval of a use permit. So uh, as staff considered the use, some, some key themes sort of emerged. Um, you know, there's a number of existing policies and, and historic practices that place this emphasis um, on ground floor retail in our commercial districts, with Park Street, of course, being key among those. Um, however, the zoning code does have plenty of flexibility built into it to allow non-retail uses um, in a situation like this. So it's really up to the planning board's discretion. Um, our definition of community assembly includes places of worship, and the code does contemplate public, and in this case, quasi-public uses that serve the community and are consistent with the general plan policies. In the end, staff focused on, on this goal of having a vibrant main street while avoiding long-term vacancies. Um, to dig a bit deeper on, on that sort of dual uh, mandate of preserving the retail core while avoiding you know, these dead zones in the streetscape. We thought about a lot about the retail environment post-pandemic and other um, non-retail uses that exist in the district now, some on Park Street proper and some on the side streets or above the ground floor. Um, 
the subject property, like I said, the tot tank closed uh, in early 2020 with the onset of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, staff also, you know, sees some fairly persistent vacancies in the district, especially for larger non-restaurant spaces. Um, you know, the cost to retrofit these types of properties, um, many of which are contributors to the historic district for new tenants, um, especially if you wanted to do something like have a commercial kitchen is, you know, quite costly and can be prohibitive for many applicants or landlords. Um, some other non-retail uses in the district include um, fitness studios like yoga and gyms, daycare centers, and of course other assembly uses in the district. There's um, a couple of, of like the Eagles Hall and there's a, you know, at least one other church in the district. Um, or like the Odd Fellows building would have been one of those types of uses. Um, one little wrinkle to this application or any application in the in the Park Street Business District is the down in the downtown is the theater combining district. Um, that combining district includes a provision for special parking requirements. Um, so the planning board has to make a finding, which is included in the draft resolution as part of your packet, um, along with the other use permit um, findings, is that the project has, quote, adequate parking to handle the peak demand of what is proposed. Um, this requirement in the, in the theater combining district was not addressed in, the, in 2021 uh, with the citywide elimination of off-street parking minimums that this board reviewed and recommended to the city council. That really was just an oversight. It was not not intentional, um, and it would be the kind of thing that staff would anticipate bringing back to a future meeting for a possible cleanup. Um, in this case, uh, we think you can still make the finding without any any real difficulty. There's no additional parking proposed as part of this application, um, and staff's review finds that there is adequate parking available to serve the peak period demands, especially since the primary service times are sort of match up with what we would consider the sort of off-peak times for the business district, not the, not the peak demand like a Friday or Saturday night. Um, staff has spoken with, with the Downtown Alameda Business Association staff um, throughout this, this process since it came to our attention early last year. Um, we did attend uh, a board meeting in the spring um, where we were able to hear sort of input from members of DABA, um, you know, for, for us to consider as we were reviewing uh, the application. I'll obviously let them speak for themselves, but uh, the feedback focuses on, you know, a couple key areas, one of which is the need to play by the rules as well as the desire to preserve ground floor retail space fronting Park Street. Um, staff shares these concerns, um, you know, their goals that that uh, are important and, and have been you know, adopted in the past um, and definitely factored those into the, the recommendation that's before you tonight. Um, Davo's also raising concerns about the precedent this use permit would send and whether having um, this user here would, would impact future applications for entertainment bars, restaurant users that are key to the district's success. Um, staff's not really worried about these latter two issues so much. Um, Issuing the use permits completely discretionary, um, 
the board may approve this one and deny the next or vice versa, and it would not impact your ability to review each subsequent application as it come before you. Um, additionally, we're not aware of any impact on things like ABC license applications um, that this use would have. Um, you know, there are some things where like a school might impact certain types of uh, applications, but for, for the things, ABC license come get referred to staff for review um, regularly, and this is not a factor that's considered, excuse me, considered. There's also a number of other churches in and around the, you know, right around, uh, right in, right around the district that would have played a factor in the past if, if that was a concern. Given all the factors at play, you know, and the desire not to have long-term vacancies in the district, um, and t uh, staff is recommending that the planning board hold a public hearing and approve the draft use permit included with your staff report. The draft use permit includes a number of proposed conditions aimed at ensuring the applicant is a positive contributor to the business district, um, including things like, you know, we're really focused on this idea of streetscape activation, making sure that there's thing, activities going on. It's not just an empty storefront all week long. So, um, you know, additionally, they need to address their, their building code um, violations promptly and, and sets out a timetable for that as part of the use permit as well. Um, you know, and compliance with other city ordinances. Um, the use permit is obviously subject to revocation and can be called for review at any point in the future if staff or the planning board um, uh, you know, think that th that is merited. Um, and of course, like I said, the planning board, regardless of what you do on this application, you maintain your discretion. Um, it is up to your, you know, judgment. Uh, and it's, you, you maintain that discretion for future applications. That concludes the staff presentation. Um, we do have a number of public speakers. I think the applicant um, will speak during public comment with um, the other public commenters, but I'm here if you have any questions. Okay, before we open up to the applicant and public comments, um, as we did with other items, want to start off with questions of staff from board members. Clarifying questions. Okay. Clarifying questions. Board member Ruiz. Thank you for the, the presentation. Um, question, is the um, um, applicant currently utilizing the space without the permit right now? Is it still being used? Uh, I Without so, permits, yes. yeah, it's being occupied. And do we have have the has the applicant submitted a plan for the uh, mercantile space? Because right now, looking at um, the packet, only has one bookshelf along the wall, and I have a hard time visualizing visualizing how that will contribute to activating the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can let the applicant speak to that now or, or during their comments, sure, but um, we have, there's the plans that are in your packet were the most recent set of the building permit um, submittal. Um, we have seen some, some discussions, the applicant can speak to this, um, about whether they intend to sort of just use, you know, shelving along the walls, but they also, um, we did see a sort of interim proposal, which a bookstore would not be subject to the use permit. Um, so we didn't spend a whole lot of time worrying about that. But in terms of the, the plan to activate the space, I think it's a good question. Um, the idea of having some, some rolling shelves that could move out of the way um, when the assembly use is underway. Um, but otherwise, I'll let the applicant speak to that question. 
Uh, before you speak, I just want to make sure. Any other questions of staff? Okay, Board Member Wang. Um, thanks for the report. Um, feel free to defer to other commenters, but I wanted to understand a little better uh, the issue you pointed out from the downtown association's uh, concern around precedence and policy change. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, so I mean, there, typically there's, uh, in our general plan, speaks to this in sort of general terms, general plan obviously, and the zoning code sort of talks about this. Um, this idea of a focus on ground floor retail uses in the district and obviously the, the, the Park Street frontage of the, of the zoning district of the downtown gets you know, that level of emphasis even potentially more so than say, you know, like we think of a parallel might be the uh, allowing office uses. And so typically an office use would be allowed either in the back half of the ground floor or on upper floors We've also allowed it on the street frontage on the side streets. So similar, there's not as many assembly uses, obviously, and so it doesn't come up as frequently. Um, but so that's kind of where that that Understood. Th this idea of preserving yeah. that retail core and and how much to, you know, sort of bend but not break that philosophy and 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 what that right balance is 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 sort of what we're discussing. That's helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Vice President Cineros. Um Yeah, thanks for the overview. Um, I'm curious uh, if if something like this has happened before, like if a tenant um, uses a space unpermitted, like I'm just curious, like what's the alternative to approving this? Like is there a fine and they're mandated to vacate and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean there's, there's sort of, there's, there's the code enforcement you know, aspect of this, some of that, you know, is about the use and the sort of the zone, the, you know, starting the use without the benefit of use permit and how that gets handled. There's also sort of the building code life safety issues that are maybe, uh, you know, the other half uh, of that and, and maybe more substantial aspect of the code enforcement case that's, that's not necessarily sort of before this body, but it is, it's all kind of tied together. Um, how we address those things on a case-by-case -case basis based on staff resources, the severity of the issue, um, whether, the, what the judgment is on the immediate life safety threats that the building official um, would consider. So it's not uncommon, whether it's a, in the commercial district or in residential situations for us to sort of take a, you know, approach where we're trying to get somebody on that path towards compliance that we're looking for. And depending on the situation you may, and the response and, you know, how good faith the efforts are, um, would sort of dictate, you know, what, what that approach is, whether, you know, we, we don't just go around red tagging buildings willy nilly because, you know, it would have, have different impacts. So, to that question, um, it's it's really nuanced and, and complicated on a case by case basis. That's helpful. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, I have a I have a question. Um, I know that this use kind of falls under kind of a, a, a large umbrella definition of what's considered assembly uses, like it might karate studios, right? Does that fall under 
Um, I, think, what other kind I of think a karate studio we would probably put under um, like that fitness studio, fitness. like a yoga club or a, a yeah. boutique, you know, gym or, or yeah. something like that. So um, is, what, what other, I guess generally, I'm trying to think of Park Street, I'm always down on Park Street. What other kind of assembly uses are along Park Street uh, in the, within the same district? And depending on what other uses there are, is it safe to say that these other uses are kind of active um, five days or seven days a week versus this proposal? Try to um, make the distinction. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, there's I'm talking about the frontage of Park Street. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of things that are fronting um, Park Street proper, I think, you know, community assembly is grouped with like public parks, schools, library, daycare mm -hmm. center, playground, fire station, other public buildings and uses. So um, there is at least one daycare center um, currently operating um, in the district. Um, in on terms Park of Street. On Park Street. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's, you know, a number of, like you mentioned, sort of fitness studios, karate, sort of personal enrichment type activities. Um, that would be, it's a different line item in the zoning code, but it's, it's also a conditional use. So mm -hmm. um, in terms of community assembly uh, that fits that definition, I don't know that we would have one that fronts Park Street. They'd probably either be above the ground floor or on those side streets, like mm -hmm. there's other you know, another church down on Santa Clara, or there's the Eagles Hall on Alameda Ave, things like that. So, it, so is it a possible present setting situation then, based on, since there's not really... It, in the sense that this would be the first of its type facing Park Street proper, and, and that's sort of a maybe not um, codified bright line in the code, mm -hmm. um, sort of a, a common practice that's a historical practice that you know, we've we've generally encouraged folks to find those either set upper floor or off to the side peripheral um, locations for this type of use, whether it's, you know, office or real estate or assembly. Um, we would generally encourage that. In this case, yes, it would be a it would be a first, but in terms of setting a precedent that requires you to approve more in the future, um, we don't believe that that would be the case. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate the presentation and and I. And there's, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay, board member style. Thank you, and then thank you for the presentation. Just one question: um, How was the I guess, decision to arrived on the front half of the store, um, the use being a, a bookstore during the? Was that just a discussion with the applicant? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they proposed. You know, we we talked early on about this idea that. W we would want to see the space activated during the week, you know, um, and that it not just be, you know, a couple hours on Wednesday nights and a couple hours on Sunday mornings and that, you know, it be open and, and some sense of something's going on, even if you're, you know, whatever. So they have some different sort of ideas about how to program that and we didn't, you know, whether the bookstore is going to be, you know, the thing that is absolutely there, you know, sort of, what they're proposing right now, or if they work towards something else. Um, you know, I think it could be a mix of things, but it's just something that the intent of that condition is is to provide a little flexibility, but also the expectation that, you know, not just be dark with the doors locked, you know, nine to five every day. Okay, thanks. Board member Sahiba. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I had a 
question. Has has the has there, the building department analyzed the fire life safety plan? Are they comfortable with the way the calculations are for assembly? Um, I I won't. I'm not qualified to speak too detailed okay. about that question. I will say they've gone through a couple of rounds of plan check um, and the sort of most recent round it seemed it, you know to be getting they seem to be getting much closer to solving solving the issues raised and the and the comments the second time around were were um, you know seemed relatively attainable and they have you know engaged a civil engineer to draw up those plans and and work through that so obviously that's a sort of parallel process that they are required to complete and they can't um, you know they're not going to be able to this use permit will that you know be in effect and they won't be um, uh, good to go in right, right. terms of the city's eyes until they get that build, building permit issued and then they pass their final inspections okay I, I just I guess it's question and maybe a little bit of a comment as well uh, I am curious how they determined where the line of the bookstore ends and the assembly space starts, because according to their calculations, the mercantile area is 660 square feet, while the assembly area is 635 square feet. It's smaller than the bookstore. Um, I mean, once you add the stage and platform, I guess it's larger. But all each uh, use type has a different factor on it, uh, with obviously assembly being the most strenuous factor, right, at seven per um, per hundred, I guess, and mercantile being at 60 and then stage being at 15. So I just want to make sure if we're looking at this as a use permit and the proportion of assembly versus mercantile, I, I think we have to kind of go in it with eyes wide open. There's no, there's no barrier to say that this is where mercantile <laughs> stops and starts, mm -hmm. um, which means there's more onerous on assembly space, which means they might not have enough egress width. Um, again, I haven't done any of the calculations, so I'm just projecting that that could be the, that could be the case. Uh, but that's, I guess, I'm not sure how that's gonna factor into our decision here. I just wanna, I guess it, it could have some impact on how we think of this use permit yeah, and yeah. what it, what what really it is. Yeah, I, I would think um, for for the purposes of the use, you know, there's there's the, the floor plan shows the big open former retail yeah. area. It's wide open and they can they can and do set chairs out, you know, for for that assembly use um, regularly. And you know, for, for your purposes you probably just assume that that space is being used for okay. for the assembly use. In terms of the building code calculations, I'll leave that to the to the engineers and plan okay. checkers for, that for, have for sure. It was more of a question just for us yeah. to understand proportions yeah. of mercantile versus yeah. uh, assembly, which I think are not stated in, in my mind correctly. Fair enough. Um, uh, also, President Han, I'm going to need to leave in about five minutes, oh, so okay. I'm, I'm just giving you a heads up. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. you have a flight to catch. Yeah. 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 Thank you for letting us. Thank for letting the audience know too. When you step out. Uh, I, I do have a, just a question, follow up regarding the building code. I don't know whether this affects our discussion, but they're going through plan checking to modify the building for the required assembly use. 
but meanwhile they're using it right now for assembly use. So does that mean that the building official determined that what's currently in place is acceptable for assembly use perhaps of a more limited nature? I'm just trying to understand yeah, why, I, why they're able to continue to, to conduct the use when they haven't done the improvements yet. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, uh, don't want to speak for code enforcement or the building official too much, but I, I can't say. I mean, they're, op they're operating under a notice of violation at the moment. Um, the building hasn't been red tagged, and I, I, you know, I think an evaluation, it, sort of that, that status is um, sort of ongoing and can be, if deemed necessary, um, escalate. The question of whether there's an imminent life safety question and based on the observed numbers in attendance mm. compared to what the space Might has be. and what the what the egress situation is, I think that probably all factors into that enforcement approach. Um, but uh, I, I think I'd just yeah. leave it at that. Okay, I'm, I'm sure the fire marshal's been involved. Anyway, um, thank you for the presentation, answering our you. questions. Next, I want an opportunity for the for the applicant to provide presentation. And um, you probably heard there's there's multiple questions about the the commercial space. So maybe you can provide a little bit more details of what you have in mind. I'm curious to, about what proportion of your floor space you tend to to uh, devote to that use. And maybe, you know, are you planning to establish that use immediately, uh, concurrently? With the, with the assembly use. So maybe you could right. answer that in your presentation. Thank you. Thank you, my name is Adriano Silva. I wanna thank you for you having the time, taking the time to hear us. Uh, I want to bring some information. In December 2022, before we signed in the lease, we came over to the city. Uh, we asked about uh, using that space as a church. Uh, so an employee gave some information that we'd have to make an application. Uh, we had Annette Gormley, which is part of our board of directors, coming over. She got the information. Um, so after the information that we received, I personally came over to apply to the process, whatever was needed. And when I was here and we have the, uh, the, the records that I was present here in December uh, 2022, I came over um, and I said, I'm here to apply for using 1413 Park Street as a church. Uh, I spoke with an employee. She went in the back, spoke with someone. Um, she came back saying that, no, that was fine for using uh, as a church. Uh, I can say maybe I was my miscommunication, her miscommunication or, it's right me, are you saying a member of the planning department told you that uh that room is, yeah uh, planning department uh permit center uh, yeah okay. Oh, okay the permit center okay just wanted to make sure right. you say who you spoke with so after the person uh got the information came back to me and said no it's okay for you for you to use as a church and i said well we received this different information she said no i just asked uh she didn't give names. So again, I'm not trying to blame anyone. Maybe I express myself not in a clear way, or she did it here well, and anyway. So with this information, we signed the lease, and we got the business license, right? So in my understanding, we were okay with the, with the city. So we 
painting and and I'm not specialist on on this matter right but we had uh, with the, our business license and I had the information from the person so we did some painting put some signs on the the the, the glass things like that simple uh, modifications so it was never our uh, intent our desire to break any laws in anything when we were informed that we had an issue, we came over to the city and we started uh, the process trying to solve the issue. So many people involved, the owner of the building and the need of uh, uh, plans and all these things. So we had many, many delays throughout the process and we were always trying to get all the parts together to bring the solution, right? Uh, so we are at this point um, and I have seven years education in, uh, in Bible education and uh, theology and stuff. I was uh, an instructor in a Bible school in Brazil. So I always was very uh, focused on teaching. And why I'm saying that? Because our plan since the beginning was having Bible classes and uh, having a bookstore to uh, promote teachings. But since we had an issue in the beginning of 2023, our plans were hindered because we kind of stopped progressing in our plans. And I am saying that to clarify that since the beginning, the desire of having a bookstore was there already, right? Uh, and we were waiting on all this discussion. But now we want to keep moving forward in these plans and bringing better information about the bookstore. We have these shelves with uh, wheels, which is easily movable. And we even saw the same style, even at Park Street in another bookstore in other places, where you easily can move the shelves with all the books. So basically, we are going to create an environment, a section in the front of the building with all these books. And it will satisfy the need of having a retail in that section in at uh, Park Street. And again, I want to emphasize this, this was even our original plan it was hindered because of the whole process. We didn't move forward uh, when we heard, learned that we had an issue. Uh, having the, the, the bookstore, we did the calculation. We are going to bring, in, when we are full operating, you are going to bring 36,080 visitors per year bringing during the day and during night we are not there yet again because we are hindering through the process second year our perspective is that we are going to have 55,700 people visitors per year on that section in the third year we are going to achieve about 75,000 people in one year we are already bringing a lot of business to Park Street. We are consumers of coffee shop, restaurants, uh, uh, clothes. I mean, we and our congregation, part of the congregation is present here. We are consuming already a lot of the service and products that are sold in that region. We are keeping our building clean well illuminated, bringing movement. 
So uh, we are going to create uh, jobs for people that live in, in, in the city. We are aligned. I come driving our, my electric car. I park over here in our, our garage. Our people mainly park in the garage, uh, the civic center garage. So we're not disturbing the region. We are bringing business and we are working on uh, uh, making the area better. I have some people that are present here that we address uh, some specific issues. We are not repeating the same thing, but uh, I would like, uh, if you agree with that, we would move forward hearing what some people have to say, which we will address different points, and I could close it later, if is that okay for you. Okay, thank you for presentation. Um, I want to open it up to board questions. Oh, over the applicant. Uh, yeah, if there's any questions from board members for the applicant, I see Vice President Cineros. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I uh, was just curious, um, what motivated you to choose this spot uh, specifically? Like, were you looking at other um, buildings and other uh, that uh, are already zoned specifically for churches or like I'm just curious like what um, draw you to this space specifically so before we were located uh, close to Safeway target that area landing right in a building close by uh, and that building didn't fit our needs completely right and since we had the goal to have uh, classes Bible classes and a bookstore, we in, in a bigger space. So we, when we saw that building that was empty for about three years back then, right? We saw that it fits exactly our needs. We have uh, food traffic. We be have exposure for our school, our church, our bookstore and we would be a good fit for that area, providing, uh, bringing business to, the re to that area. Got it, thank you. And then one more clarifying question. You said in year one, you had 36,000, um, uh, I don't know, consumers. Visitors. Yeah, visitors, uh -huh. then 55, and then year three, uh, what was it, sorry? Or Two and three years, like Yeah, yeah, it's 70. just like jumping up. Right. Okay, and okay, got it, thank you. Those are all my questions. Okay, any, any other uh, questions, applicant, for, for now? None. I, I do have a question um, regarding um, the occupancy level. You kind of stated how your, your hopes are as far as growing your membership and all of that. What level of occupancy are you planning on uh, attracting for your Wednesday evening and I think Saturday or Sunday service? Sunday, Sunday yeah, in the morning. Yeah. Right, so currently we have like 50 chairs there which are not all used, mm -hmm. right? So we are having about, uh, let's say 30, 35 people, maybe one day have a little bit more, but we never had the, all the chairs uh, used, right? We are working on uh, the sir uh, ask about uh, the egress and uh, these things. So we are working with the engineer right, figuring out 
what is needed, how many people will be allowed. So our goal, we, uh, since we have this information, so we set uh, our limit for, per meeting. And one thing that easily we can do, and it's very common in church, is having more than one service in a day. So uh, we have our limits per, uh, per meeting. We can have two, three services as we grow. Mm -hmm. If we need to, we divide in different meetings. Yeah, sure, sure. And now that you've gone through three level of plan checking, there's probably the building inspector or probably fire marshal probably have kind of determined what is the occupancy level for the building? Right. Or, they, they, they are working in, in defining that. Have that been defined? What's possible? Um, if I if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, the our engineer had put uh, sixty people, but you can't uh, really uh, I can't really uh, confirm that. Okay. But uh, uh, we have the planes. About about sixty. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure it's about oh, sixty okay. or hundred people. It's okay. like I just okay. saw so many numbers that yeah. at this point okay. I'm not sure. Is your engineer here? No, she is okay. not. Unfortunately, okay. she could not attend the meeting. Um, and then um, for your storefront use, uh, whether it's a bookstore or something similar, are, would that be proposed to be open five days a week? Or yes. Five days a week? Yes. We you have already even a person uh, available that will be hired by us. It's part of our church as well. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she's ready. She's a good fit for that. She's a good fit. She knows the books. She reads the books. She will be very uh, outspoken, very capable to handle that. And I'm sure that uh, we are developing a relationship with high schoolers. Uh, they, they are on that, ridge, that area every day uh, at lunchtime. We open every Wednesday. We talk with them uh, and we see as, as a space even for them to have a seat because it's already happening. They come in, they feel safe, they eat. They, uh, so we are going to promote this relationship. And also there is no... Christian bookstore in Alameda. And we have the need for that. We have people that the only option is like Amazon or maybe in another city. And there is a community here that needs that, that consumes this product, even is not, our, our goal is not even financial goal, but we, uh, it's all related with our goal, which is give uh, knowledge about, about God. Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you for responding. And now I want like to open up the public hearing. And before I do, how many speakers do we have on this item? Get raised. Oh, we've got quite a few speakers. Let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And uh, staff, how many um, on online? Uh, currently one hand raised, and I've got 11 speaker slips, but maybe there's a couple that okay, didn't have a chance. 12 speakers. And okay. I do have more speaker slips if anyone wants one. Okay, I'm going to ask, if you plan to speak, can you please, uh, and you haven't filled up a speaker slip, can you raise your hand and make sure you fill one out? Right now, I'm seeing that we have about 12 speakers, so that's similar to the last public hearing. So I'm going to allow two minutes per speaker. Well, hopefully we'll get out of here. Well, hopefully they'll, <laughs> hopefully they'll keep it efficient. Um, 
Okay, let's start off with, uh, I guess we only have one online speaker, so let's start off with uh, a speaker from the audience. And I wanna repeat, if you're gonna be sharing the same comments as one of the speakers that already spoken, feel free to just, uh, you know, endorse what that speaker says. You don't have to repeat uh, everything Tom. that's said. Mm -hmm. um, may I suggest that the staff read out the next spe three speakers so they can be ready? Yeah, that's, that's a good suggestion. So maybe, um, um, you know, announce an, uh, three speakers. So then if you're speaking, one of the three, can you kind of line up and be ready right afterwards to speak? That's a, that'll save a little bit of time. Good Our uh, first speaker is Ann Gormley, followed by David Anstis and Genevieve Trust. Trust. Good evening, board. Thank you very much for having us here. My name is Ann Gormley, but they will call me Annette. And um, I'm the secretary of the board of directors of Triumphant Life Church in Alameda. And I have worked and lived in Alameda on and off since the 90s. And I plan to make this my home until I die. And um, when we incorporated Triumphant Life Church, um, our goal was to have a bookstore from the beginning and we already paid for all the paperwork to do that and so when i was walking up and down park street i saw that there were five buildings on that block that were empty and that this one would fit our needs because it had no poles that would obscure the view and we could have the bookstore and we could have the wide open space that we could use for multiple uses and so that's when Adriano already said that I went to the planning department to investigate what we needed to do and then he followed. And um, I'll not repeat all the steps that he's already said, but I have to say one of the biggest obstacles that we ran into was that there were no existing plans of the building. So we had to hire someone to come in and draw what was existing before we could even make our proposal of what we wanted to do. And um, we really enjoy having the open space and being part of the community and having the people come in. And we have our bookshelves for our bookstore and that, you know, as part of the community, a church is a pro-social organization that helps build a family and build the community. And so we're glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. My name is David Anstis. I rise in support of the church. Um, I want to bring up a lot of mental health issues that have come to our community and loneliness. And I think this community would greatly benefit. I mean, this family came from, the beautiful family that came from Brazil to spread the word of God. And it's a, an incredible thing that they're doing. And I, uh, I also wanna bring up, there is nothing in the, is it called the AMC? AMC, yeah. There's nothing in there that says a church 
can't be on Park Street, and there's nothing in there that says it's not uh, allowed or not allowed. It doesn't. It's not mentioned either way. So I feel like um, you know there's a strong case to be made that we belong there. You know. Um, so I encourage you to. It sounds like the board is open to continuing the the operation, and we really appreciate your time. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Next speaker. Good evening. My name's Genevieve. I'm here to read a letter from our neighbor, a fellow business owner who couldn't be here tonight. He said, to whom it may concern, I am writing this letter to express my support for Adriano Silva and the TLC church located near my store. As you may know, the church has become an important part of our community and its presence has had a positive impact on the area. Before the church moved in, the space was vacant and was often dirty and unkept. However, since the church has been here, the area has become much cleaner and more well-maintained. Thanks to the church's illumination, the space is now brighter and with more lights, and there are fewer people coming and lifting items from our store, which has helped to reduce theft and improve safety in the area. As the founder of Navadurga Handicraft and Singing Bowl House, located at 1415 Park Street, Alameda, California, 94501, I can say without hesitation that I appreciate the presence of the church nearby. I believe that the closure of the church would have a negative impact on the community and the businesses in the area. Therefore, I urge you to reconsider the, de the decision to close the church and allow it to continue operating as its, at its current location. Thank you for your time and attention to this matter. Sincerely, Ramesh Prasad Tapalia. And I have another letter, which I may not get fully through from one of our members. Um, it says, to all, it may, to all that may it may concern, we are attendees of Triumphant Life Church at 1413 Park Street since its opening. We are familiar with the family of Adriana Silva and additional activities at this location. I am a lifelong resident born and raised in Alameda. We fully support the presence and activities of the church and want to express the city of Alameda City Council, Council members and planning board our support and desire that the church remain open and active. This church and Adriano Silva's mission is commendable and positive regardless of one's religious beliefs. I have been a witness of the positive results of their work in our community and neighboring Oakland. Thank you. Thank you. you can uh, certainly Finish. submit your written letters to staff for the record if you like. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want to go to the online speaker? Yeah, let's do the online speaker. So uh, the online speaker will be Barbara Mooney, and then in person we'll have uh, Talita Dos Santos and Amanda Silva after that. Barbara Mooney. Hi, um, this is Barbara Mooney, and I own Daisies on Park Street. Um, at, um, and I need you to be very cautious about this. I'm sure the church is lovely. I'm sure they're all very nice people. Um, I used to have a second store in Montclair where there was a lot of businesses that were not um, retail focused and it makes it very hard to continue to be a very walkable, shoppable district. Um, that location was actually really wanted by the ladies who have Mommy's Trading Post across the street, but they um, there was a huge problem with when the building got transferred, when it sold and the people who owned it were not allowed yet to fill the space. So it's not like there wasn't interest in the space. Um, 
And if we're going to build back up and become a strong retail community, we need retail storefronts, and that's a lot of retail storefront. Um, one of the uh, things that they talked about was increasing the amount of people. Well, it's one thing on an early on a Sunday morning, the um, parking garage is great, but if they're gonna need to have that many people and go all day, then that's taking a lot of spaces from a lot of businesses on a very peak retail day. Um, and things like the karate studio and all, when that got mentioned, there's a lot of those businesses that are literally open six and seven days a week. A parent goes and drops them off and actively work, you know, does errands on Park Street. So it actually really does complement a lot of the businesses um, in town. I really, really am worried about having businesses that are not retail focused opened. And this is a slippery slope. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ms. Mooney. So we have um, two speakers that we've already announced in the audience. Yeah, Talita and then Amanda Silva. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, we'll give you another 30 seconds for translation. So two and a half minutes, please. Boa noite. Good evening. Nós estamos aqui para falar a respeito da, da igreja, da, da importância do amparo, bem como imigrantes, chegamos aqui em Alameda, com várias dificuldades para inserir meu filho com problemas de saúde e portador de paralisia cerebral. A nossa vinda para este país, para essa cidade, pela proximidade de hospitais, escola apropriada, então a nossa dificuldade era com questão ao medo de não falar o idioma, so we we a adaptação, the e na igreja nós tivemos todo o suporte e amparo para que a gente conseguisse avançar em todos os benefícios ao Luca. So bem como cirurgias e terapias, bem como os pastores nos ajudaram, uh, nos apoiando e direcionando aos lugares onde nós tínhamos que ir. Então, é muito importante a, a igreja, a sua finalidade em nos ajudar, amparar a nossa família. E bem como no momento de pandemia, nós passamos por momentos muito difíceis, como perda familiar. During the pandemic, we went through some hard times with loss in our family. E o apoio da igreja and the support of the church foi de suma importância no was, apoio was of tremendous, uh, help no apoio estrutural e financeiro 
por conta de trabalho. Their structural help and financial help and help with work. Então, Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay, next speaker. And staff, could you go ahead and announce the following speakers? Yeah, we have Amanda Silva and then Maxton Anstis, uh, followed by Zachary Reese. Good evening, everyone. My name is Amanda Silva. I hope you all are doing well. I know that TL Church should be allowed to operate here on Park Street for many reasons, but to me, one of the main ones is because this church is a place that welcomes creativity and values talents. I attended Alameda Science and Technology Institute for high school, or ASTI, and if you're living in Alameda and that name doesn't ring a bell to you, then you can imagine how small the school is. Many people would hate for that to be their high school experience, but for me, it was a safe place that I cherished. At ASTI, I discovered my passion for music. I joined their performing arts club where I spent many lunches playing music with my classmates. Now, I'm out of high school and done with college, and I learned that what ASTI failed to teach me and many others is that adult life can be lonely, and that after high school, most people don't find encouragement and support anywhere else. This church has embraced me and anyone else who finds themselves in need of comfort. Today, I am a part of the worship band, along with many others like me. At TL Church, we found a place where we can use our talents and where we are incentivized to continue developing them. Every year, more Amandas like me graduate and learn that same harsh lesson I did. And when they do, this church has its arms open, ready and willing to receive them. We are located next to a high school, and so we have a lot of visibility by them, which is great. So please, I ask on my behalf and on their behalf, don't take away our safe space. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Next speaker. Um, my name is Maxton Anstis. I go to the high school. I'm a sophomore. I go to Alameda High School. Um, and I can vouch to the impact our church on Park Street has had on the youth in our community. Every Wednesday, the church provides a welcoming space where we can gather over free pizza and listen to the pastor preach. It's not just about the pizza. It's about the conversations we have, the connections we forge, and the lessons we learn. Our pastor doesn't just preach, he mentors, he guides, and he inspires. He is shaping us into compassionate, resilient, and responsible individuals. These, session, these session, sessions not only create a sense of community among us, but also provide a platform for positive messages and guidance. In a world where negative influences are all around us, especially for high schoolers. Our church serves as a beacon of hope, promoting values of kindness, compassion, and inclusivity. By supporting uh, our church on Park Street, City Hall is not just preserving a building, they are investing in the future of our, of our youth and the well-being of our community. Okay, thank thank you. you. Okay, next speaker. Zachary Reese, followed by Fernanda Silva. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm Zachary Reese. Uh, I didn't have like an actual church to go to for a long time. Um, I was a troubled person. Um, this church has helped me in a tremendous way. And I think taking away this church is like a, a bad way to show how diversity can change the world. 
And I think having diversity in this community is a good thing, and that's what this church brings. And um, it, it sucks to think that this place can really be taken away from you know, a community that's so big on diverse and welcoming everyone. And um, I really hope that you guys really you know, take consideration that this church is a good thing for the community. Um, I've lived in Alameda all my life, and I wouldn't live anywhere else. So uh, yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Next. Good evening, everyone. I'm Fernanda Silva. Eight years ago, I went to the same place to place the flag in a adult school event. Before, I didn't speak any English, and the adult school opened the door. This is the right place for my family. This place, Alameda, opens the door for my family as a black woman. I have three kids. I am raised by a single mother, and today, when we talk about business, after eight years, I'm being able to stand up here and say, yes, this is our business, the church is our business, and we have the same rights to have our business in the city that we are on, our own. we have our house, we have our family, we have our community. I'm not a stranger anymore, so I'm here, and I'm so proud of myself. We have this space as a woman where I can speak where I can speak, I'm also an author. I published a book two years ago, and I'm so proud of myself to be here, to stand here and say, yes, when we talk about business, Alameda is a place that is embracing everyone. And I'm glad to be here and say, we are bringing, we are adding. Yesterday, I was praying for this 18 years old. He was having a crisis of anxiety. This boy was shaking. He has no hope. He has no support from his family. He's from Alameda High School, and he came to us, and we are helping him. We are telling him, hey, you have a future. You don't have to go and be a drug dealer, but we are here to support you, to help you, to bring more business for this community, to to help people to get strong in their life, to have a relationship, build a relationship with families. One year ago, we were going to Oakland, feed homeless, and we stopped to go there because God told us, go back to Alameda and start to help the, the high schoolers to don't, for them to not be ending like them. So thank you for this opportunity. Um, thank you for your comments. Let's see. Next speakers, do we have any? Yeah, we had three more slips. We did have a speaker slip from the applicant, Adriano Silva, um, if you wanted to allow him to. Okay, sure. Um, why don't we uh, take all the public speakers first? Okay. The next, uh, last two speaker slips I have are for Kathy Weber and then Chadwick Spell. Good evening, honorable members of the planning board and city staff. I'm Kathy Weber. I'm the executive director with the Downtown Alameda Business Association. And on behalf of the Downtown Alameda Board of Directors, we are opposed to the approval of the use permit of 1413 Park Street. The investments of property owners and tenants in Park Street Business District rely on the city to uphold the municipal and zoning codes and use permits. And the disregard for this process sets a dangerous precedent, especially without penalty or consequence. Others have gone to great investments and expense and time to, to uh, secure proper permits and approvals before be beginning uh, operations. 
Furthermore, this is not a compatible use for the heart of the Park Street Business and Theater District. The City of Economics Economic Development Team is currently in the process of conducting a market study to evaluate the, the um, and strategically target potential tenants that will support and enhance local businesses. The, and just a quick aside, uh, Pauline's has been leased, and so that is a large retail space that has found its purpose. The consequences of this particular tenant limit the potential development in the area. Um, because of the specific nature of the use as a church, limiting and impacting businesses that serve beer, wine, and spirits um, will in, in impact current and potential future tenants. This is a not, not a case of anything is better than nothing. Their limited hours create a dead zone, and even with 20 hours per week, there's a, a large percentage that will uh, that they will not be open and uh, available for business, and it doesn't provide for the vitality and foot traffic. Thank okay. you. Thank you. If I could just ask a follow-up. So am I hearing that the Park Street Association is still opposed to the use even if a bookstore is established on the storefront? If the book, if there's a bookstore, there, uh, my understanding is that their current time is going to only be open 20 hours per week which is still not um, as, as a, a business to create foot traffic and, and conduct retail business so, is, is quite limited. Okay, so, so you would propose a, a use as perhaps longer hours Yeah, Yeah, and also I think one of the biggest concerns that we have is the impact of this particular type of business on the surrounding businesses in the community um, with uh, as regard to um, alcohol and beverage commission um, and the appropriate um, allowing of licensing and permitting both future development and possibly threatening current tenants okay. that are that are operating in that area okay thank you Ms. Weber. to be clear this is um, this is a business that we would welcome in an approved zoned area Okay. but not in the heart of okay. the district. Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, we ha do we have any, oh, the, uh, this is an opportunity for the applicant to uh, do any brief responses to what they heard. We have two more speakers. Oh, two more speakers? Oh, I thought we were at the last one. Um, are you okay going next? Yeah, it, we, we have to call them in the order we receive them. So Chadwick Spell, this is your chance. All right. My name is Chadwick Spell. I am the CEO of the Wachira Group, which operates the uh, Caribou Wine Lounge on Park Street, 1419. And there are no winners in this situation. I understand that. Um, I see all the good things the church does, and that's a positive thing. Um, but in the, the whole purpose of looking at, first of all, your municipal code and upholding, like she said, what we actually put in the zoning um, to assist in providing demand, uh, plan development for the city and to guide and control and regulate the future growth of the city in accordance with the general plan. Um, looking at that 30-49A uh, of the community commercial district, um, literally wants to it goes down to compatibility and harmony, har harmony of an adjoining land uses. So those people coming in have to be compatible and harmonious. Um, 
in some ways they are, but in the compatibility standpoint from ABC, it's uh, ABC 510. It is not a question about it. It is an issue. So if you look at for any, any new business coming in, when you have to post the things on the window, you have a 30 day thing. The protest and number one thing on the protest, the premises is located within the immediate vicinity of a school, church, hospital or children's playground and the normal operation of licensed premises would interfere with their functions. So that means any, uh, and if I change any of my licenses, that means I have to put a new sign up, it's a new license. So I have, I'm at the whim if anyone wants to do a protest because I'm that close to a church. So that is not gonna help anybody get, get no restaurant is gonna go any of those places that subway or anywhere else when they see a church there, that's going to be an issue. And um, um, furthermore, that it's going to be, it's, it's just sad because I like the church, but it's also draining business from the Bagel Place. I've talked to Stan, Town Tavern. He, he's against it as well because of ABC issues. But Lola's and Pampered Pup. Okay, thank you. Quiet. Okay. So how many more speakers and, do we have? Uh, this is the last, okay. last one I have, and it's uh, Baby Lee. Okay. Good evening, my name is Baby Lee. I am the owner of the Massage Clinic and a vital member of the Park Street Downtown Association. I've been a member since 2020 and I have loved it. And I wanna tell you something really dear to me is not just TLC, but also that their major commitment to the community. They not only promote ample business, they are the responsible party for all the food consumptions that they feed to the church. So not only that, they are also able to recommend more places to people outside that travel in from Brazil, from outside the states, and from southern regions. TLC has been a big part. And one major thing I have learned from owning my first business here is that there are people who want to tear you down, who are jealous who want to put their business above yours. It's ruthless when you own a business. Other businesses will see you as a threat and want to crush you. And TLC has only done the most honorable thing. They don't speak ill of no one. They don't talk badly about any other business. And they are focused on the mission. They are focused on God, the community, and the people. That is it. The only other thing I would say is there's rumors and rumors is another thing that happens when you own a business. You hear little tidbits because they want to tear you down. But as a business owner and as a nonprofit, which is what TLC is, and they're also a business selling books so that we have a major thing. Even our own books, Inc., or does not sell Christian books. Take this away, you take away from our community. You take away voices from our children. You take community from our elders. You will bring things down. I urge you to consider keeping TLC in the heart of downtown. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Is that the last speaker? Yeah, I have uh, no more speaker slips okay. and nobody with their hand raised. Okay, uh, did the applicant want to uh, respond to any comments they heard just briefly? Yes, very briefly. Um, first point about parking. <clears throat> so the usage during the day will be for the bookstore. So we not uh, impact the parking since we are having uh, like any other business, people coming in and out. 
So not a big gathering in, uh, during the day. So we will not cause any disturbance in parking. Uh, time of operation. Uh, the 20 hours is the minimum required, but this is not what we are proposing. We will be open uh, Monday through Saturday, seven hours per day, plus the Sunday service that we have, and then Wednesday evening, and rehearsals that we have uh, in the evening, and even classes that we want to have, uh, Bible class during evening time. And all of these, we'll be bringing people to uh, to consume, to use products and service uh, at Park Street as is already happening, and we are just going to increase it. Concerning alcohol, I'm not a specialist, but I see every, every day little kids going to karate, going to the ballet, all these kids are there. And I don't see the church increasing a, a, a public, a, an audience that is more vulnerable than those kids, and we do not attack any uh, any uh, uh, any business by selling alcohol, by selling weed or whatever. We just are focused, as Baby said, we are focused in our business. We are not bringing trouble to anybody. We spread the message. So well, I don't see we are going we are going to be a retail during the whole week, not causing disturbance to parking lots not complaining with any other business. So I don't see any reasons for, we don't receive the permission for that other than uh, discrimination against the faith. Okay, thank you for your comments. And I'm gonna close the public hearing to no other speakers and open it up to board members' comments and questions. If I could just maybe start off with a question of staff. There there's was um, mentioned that this use could impact um, other uses that apply for ABC licenses for beer and wine. Um, can you comment on how that the presence of this use might affect uh, the approval process, if it does at all? Um, well, so, as far as I know, the, the city zoning code, um, you know, just treats it like a other, you know, use permit in terms of that compatibility finding. Um, and so um, there wouldn't necessarily be any particular um, issue um, just because there's a, a community assembly what, use next yeah, door. Yeah. What about ABC? So the ABC uh, website says that uh, ABC may deny a retail license located in the immediate vicinity of churches and hospitals or within 600 feet of schools, playgrounds, and youth facilities. Mm -hmm. However, um, only when there's evidence, as was said, that the licensed premises will be contrary to public welfare and morals. And that's actually kind of used throughout the code. It's a, it's a you know, real, uh, archaic kind of finding, but that's that's what they use, and so um, it gives them real broad latitude. But I think uh, mere proximity by itself is not sufficient to deny the license. Okay. So they would have to make a special finding in this case that somehow this is different. Mm -hmm. um, and as was mentioned, there's already a church around the corner, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I, I'm not really sure. I haven't. I've never seen it. 
mm -hmm. um, be an issue. Yeah, and the, the only other thing I would add to that is typically ABC, when they get an application, they will reach out to planning staff and ask, is this site properly zoned for this type of application? And so we look at the zoning code, which permits a range of restaurants, retail, bars, uh, you know, if they have the, the proper approvals. And so that's, you know, what we use. We, it's, what, proximity to, to something like this is not something that is, is um, part of the city's, at least, response to any ABC um, application. Yeah, what, what I'm used to is where ABC raises a concern is if a city has some issues about an over-concentration of alcoholic beverage uh, outlets, and there might be, um, you know, stats regarding, you know, high crime rate in that area or something like that. That's usually where I hear the potential of an ABC license being denied. Yeah. Right, and actually, I was just reminded that the, the, this section applies to retail, which would be a liquor store, and so again, it's sort of related to that over concentration or just, you know, mm -hmm. the the effects of liquor stores in the immediate vicinity, um, which is not the same as a, a restaurant. Okay, so the, so what you read does, is not the regulations for like beer and wine Correct. or bars. Correct. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, well, um, let's see, I see uh, Board Member Ruiz. So, um, thank you for, um, I'm very encouraged to see public participation in the planning agenda, so thank you for all your input. Question for the staff and follow on that ABC license. I, my understanding is what the speaker was referring to is 510, which is um, how to protest a license. However, yeah, yes, um, it is grounds for protest, but it is not grounds for denial. That is my understanding. Um, but if any of you can elaborate on that and confirm, that would be super helpful. Secondly, I would like to know, um, this is a question for staff, um, can we put a time, like, uh, I think we've done this in the past, a grant um, conditional use permit for a year or two and ask the applicant to come back and ask for renewal. Is this on the table? Um, yeah, I think we have done similar things in the past, whether it's um, that they come back, whether there's a review or, you know, this question of whether you can put a time limit on the permit itself is, is maybe a little more complicated question, but there, there is opportunity, I think, potentially to have it be reviewed um, for compliance uh, at a certain point. Do you want to add to that? I yeah. thought we have done that to one of the um, bars on Park Street for this very reason due to noise compliance issues. Yeah, I think if, if you had reason to believe that there is a likelihood of a violation, say, of the noise ordinance, that you were approving, say, something really unusual like an outdoor gathering space at a bar, you might anticipate some problems and therefore you might wanna have some, some leash on it. Um, I think most use permits, once they're established, you know, that person has vested their rights, they've, they've invested in that activity. And unless the city affirmatively like, you know, comes up with a, a really good reason, we wouldn't normally need to review a use permit. 
Okay. My concern is the viability of the bookstore and the commitment of the opening because the way I see it is the assembly use that's attached to the mercantile use. And um, I want to make sure that there's commitment that the mercantile use is operational and is, um, you know, committed to the time that they agreed to commit, which is seven days a week. I mean, seven hours a day and six days a week. Um, that's why I want to make sure that that is uphold. Given that there has been a history of violation, and granted it may or may not be communication, miscommunication, but given that there's a history of violation, I'm more concerned about that being, um, com mm -hmm. that the applicant meets that obligation. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll say it's a little tricky because um, normally what we're enforcing is a violation that is an offense. And in this case, we're, we're telling them, you have to operate a business and stay open when normally that's not our purview. We're more interested in what if, you know, they, they violate the noise ordinance. There's a violation of something as opposed to telling them they have to staff and they have to open and they have to spend money on a business that, that we're not responsible for. Um, so I think it would be, but I understand it's it's a condition right. because it's activating the street. It it enables us to make the proper findings, which is that it's compatible with the neighborhood and activating the street. So I understand the the linkage, but we need to be careful that you know. Understood. It, like if they're not open, the proper number of hours we're going to revoke the entire permit seems a little out of proportion. Thank you for the clarification. Um, I, I was just gonna maybe add, a, I think, you know, one one possible approach could be that staff, you know, there's a, you amend the condition where staff reports back to the planning board at after a year, after they get their certificate of occupancy, um, and then the, the board sort of has an update and has the opportunity to sort of say, are we interested in scheduling a revocation hearing because they're not meeting the conditions um, or there's some issue or something. So it could be a sort of a, a getting at a similar goal um, and providing that sort of update and check-in with the planning board without um, going straight to having to do a new application automatically, potentially. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna add that um, I had talked to staff about this issue before regarding another application, actually, but it's kind of the same thing. Um, I like the idea of um, making a, a mandatory review, you know, where it needs to come back to the planning board for review, I don't know, after one year or whatever time period we find after the use has been established to review adherence to the condition of approval. I, I do support um, setting, I know staff's a little apprehensive about that, but I do support setting a minimum number of hours for the bookstore to be open during the week because um, to me, with the, without the bookstore, I see it is kind of precedent setting mm -hmm. that you're allowing assembly use that's only open two days a week on Park Street and that's not really an intent of, um, of Park Street as an active corridor and it could have a negative impact on businesses for the dead storefront for most of the week. So I think uh, from a policy standpoint, I think it's justified to set a minimum number of hours that the, the bookstore needs to be in operation. You know, so I could, you know, that's, I see it, 
in a way is not noise, but it's similar to there's a there's a planning objective involved. You know, if it were not not on uh, Park Street where an active retail use was as important, I would be you know less inclined like some of the other assembly uses. But uh, unless staff feels that that's pushing the, the envelope, by I see a good rationale for establishing a minimum uh, retail use along that frontage. I think the details of how large that use is is still up in the air, but uh, I think trying to promote an active use. I don't have an issue with the assembly use, it sounds like, uh, I, and I do want to reiterate, I really appreciate members of the public coming out and speaking on this issue. Sounds like a wonderful use. Um, my main um, issue is really from a land use perspective, um, maintaining Park Street as a really active corridor and uh, the bookstore would kind of help that. Obviously, bringing in um, uh, folks to, to your, your church would just itself activate Park Street, but having a more permanent kind of retail presence would uh, increase my comfort level to approve this use permit. Uh, other board comments? Yeah, uh, Vice President Zaneros. Yeah, um, I... Um I uh, also want to thank the public for uh, coming out this evening and, um, you know, we could very much uh, feel your passion uh, for this church and what's done for your community and also really appreciate the downtown's concerns. Um, you know, we have an item later on in the agenda about retail and how challenging it is, so it is important um, also for our community to activate it. So I, I agree with President Hom's um, suggestion and Board Member Deleese's suggestion of having some kind of condition to keep this um, activated, like uh, I was thinking like six, seven days a week even, because um, I think the weekend um, activity is important. So um, those are my initial thoughts. And I was also wondering, like, are there downtowns with um, like uh, frontage churches and um, bookstores, I don't know, but that, that'd be interesting to explore just to see like how, how those downtowns are doing. But I also like the creative su suggestion of just having this um, come back for our consideration, um, seeing how it does with imposed conditions. So those are my initial thoughts. Okay. Any other board comments? Board members want to come? Yeah, board member. Um, yeah, thank you, uh, President Hom. Um, yeah, I just want to also thank the public for coming out this evening and for, for the staff and applicant presentations. Um, I will echo that I agree. I think an annual review um, makes sense. Um, that's not something that is too unusual for um, projects that have, um, you know, just concerns and are unusual or, or have potential specific impacts. Um, I would like to know a little more about this ABC Rule 510. Um, Sounds like um, board member, uh, you you may have located the rule itself, but um, it'd be good to get a more clarification. It sounds like, as I understand it, is that if you're within a certain distance of, um, you know, a certain use, then then there is this a protest requirement, and then if it, if you're not, then the protest requirement doesn't uh, trigger. So, um, okay, well, it, yeah, but if the, yeah, if there's any more kind of thought on it. Yeah, I'd be, I see them whispering over there. I'd be curious yeah. if the, um, our um, 
city attorney has any yeah, comments that, on that. That would be good to hear from, um, yeah, or you know, whoever wants or to. Whoever, yeah. yeah, I mean, just from my experience, I I find I rarely see ABC <coughs> denying a license unless it's in a high crime area, where so that's where I've seen it denied. Other than that, ABC generally, de ten generally defers to the local local uh, government to voice any concerns. But uh, let's hear President from the uh, Planning Board members, Alan Tai, Planning Director. Um, pardon the, the distraction. Um, what City Attorney Chen and I were discussing was just, I understand that within the past year or two, the zoning administrator had approved the use permit for another business on Park Street about a block away. It's, it is a restaurant, but their hours are only open during the evening. And um, I've been with the city for a long time, going as far back as the early 2000s, and I don't recollect any precedent where, via use permit, we've mandated minimum hours for business. For one, I think it is hard to enforce. It's hard to track. How do we, yeah. So um, even if you, the planning board were to set a milestone date for a review, I think staff would be in a difficult position to, to attest that, yes, they have been open every day on these days for X number of hours. There's just no way for staff to, to um, verify that. But I think the most important thing, too, is there are other businesses within the Park Street District and elsewhere in Alameda where they have limited hours. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to put that on the table, um, particularly for an assembly use uh, in this case, uh, a religious use, um, I just want to make sure that there is uh, parity in terms of how we review these cases. Yeah, and, and I, I want to emphasize, I'm not treating this specifically as a religious use, it's an assembly use. I want to make that clear when I kind of evaluate this use. I do see a little bit of a difference in hours of because you know when you open up a retail use you know what's being proposed is an assembly use unless there's a retail component it it, it kind of you know I struggle with that so the only reason why the hours come in place is to ensure that there's a reasonable retail use that's not just an incidental use that's uh, if there's another way to ensure that other than you know setting hours you know I'm open to that And I also heard the applicant was willing to commit to beyond 20 hours a week. Yeah, uh, the minimum requirement is 20 hours, and we are proposing much more than that. And we have no uh, problem and even being tracked if there is any way, because we have no intention at all in keep it closed. As I mentioned before, this situation has hindered us on had. I would say would, at this point, if we had not had this issue, we would have this bookstore already open. We just didn't move forward because we were, we were going through the process. So we are more than willing uh, to be checked in one year. I have no problem with that mm -hmm. because I'm totally confident that we are going to perform it. Okay. So I have no, uh, no problem on that. Okay. So if the, the if staff or no if the planning board did put a condition of relate to hours of operation for the bookstore related use, um, you would uh, the burden would be put on you to kind of provide 
I understand and I have no problem with that. Because I could see where staff is coming from. You know, they're not going to go out there and check every day. Right. Yeah. Um, what member Ruiz? I no, I guess my question is, is that the overreaching of, of, of this board? Is that within our purview? Yeah, that's probably a good that's question, a question for, for the city, city attorney. attorney. Your question is whether imposing minimum hours of operation retail, um, well, yeah. I think as Director Ty just mentioned, we don't want to treat different uses differently. Mm -hmm. um, we have approved other commercial uses on this same corridor without requiring minimum retail hours. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. Just to keep that in mind. Thank you. The, the other option, I'm just throwing it out there, if there's a discomfort with setting specific hours, the, um, I mean, there's a, there's a proposal to maintain a prominent retail use, and if there's a mandatory review, which is, I think, allowed, right? One of the issues we can always review is to extent that the bookstore continues to be a pretty strong presence of the use. So I throw that out if, uh, if the hours are, you know, seem to be problematic. Yeah, I, I think I would support keeping the, the just 20 hour minimum and then using the, the annual review to, to check on the, uh, how active the, the retail frontage is on park. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Um, Planning director. If I may offer the planning board a frame of reference. Um, in the past, uh, particularly on Park Street, where we really want to encourage the businesses to have a retail type pre preference, uh, a presence, um, we have required uh, the first five or 10 feet of the retail space to be uh, for display of products. So for example, we've had a yoga studio on Park Street in the past. Similar concerns, talking to the uh, business district about retail uses. Um, we ended up, uh, I forget whether it was a zoning administrator action or a planning board action, but the use permit ended up requiring that the front portion of the frontage be uh, for retail display. So as you're walking by, uh, you could see retail products, but we did not, um, we did not mandate a minimum number of hours. However, if the applicant is willing to say, hey, I will commit to daytime hours, I think the planning board could consider broadly imposing condition that the use have daytime hours between 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., um, but maybe not establish a minimum. So those, I think those are fair ranges and that are uh, consistent with how the city has handled similar situations in the past. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And I do recall that um, we have required, like for instance, some minimum area for displays and also to not have the windows covered up too, so to keep them open. Mm -hmm. um, okay, do we have a, a motion or someone would like to suggest a motion or, or further discussion? I'm open so, to that too. Um, thank you. So I move to approve the project with the following conditions. Uh, maintain the first five feet for retail display and um, return um, within a year after final certificate of occupancy 
for review of um, for conditional use permit ratification. Okay, and um, and not the not, not any the condition hours. regarding because, hours because I feel that's an overreaching of our purview. Okay. Well, yeah, and I'll note that the existing resolution has the the minimum twenty hours. I I would just remove that. Oh, does your motion remove that? Yeah, I, I would I would actually remove the the hours condition the hour of operation because that says president for future. Okay. Let me kind of before further discussion, is there a second to that motion? I'll second. Okay. Second by board member Wang. Uh, further discussion? Yeah, sorry. Uh, just because um, the draft resolution does say here street state yeah, streetscape activation. Um, you know, the applicant will have blah, 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 the bookstore, a minimum of 20 hours per week between the hours of 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. So are you proposing to strike that? Right, because that is not part of the purview of this board. Uh-huh. But, and how was this um, put into the draft resolution in the first place? Why, why was that done? Yeah, I guess that's my question. If and not the purview of the board, then why is staff including that condition? Well, I say we have the benefit of um, more and more experienced um, members of staff present uh, and have the benefit of this discussion today. So um, originally it was included as, you know, um, at the staff level and at the planner level to, as a way to sort of address this concern. Um, obviously with further discussion and analysis here, you know, we can, we can replace that condition with, you know, addressing sort of the retail display question, um, you know, at the board's okay. direction. It, I guess I would like to clarify the motion to that it's not just five foot of display area. It needs to be an active um, retail use. Well, we, we did have that president for the cannabis dispensaries. So the first five feet of- oh, No, I, that's not yeah. the issue I'm having. Is, is that it needs to be more than just display space. It needs to be actual uh, an activity. But we, we didn't re but we didn't require that for other commercial use such as dispensaries. Um, I guess I would like to see that added in, that that activity, because this is an assembly use, it's not I just see. a retail use. So I would, well, first we need, uh, we, we, got, we got a second through motion. I guess I would like to propose an amendment that um, indicates that there needs to be a, a retail use in the front portion of the building, but not necessarily specify the hours. So to me, it's an accessory retail use. But the plan proposed the first The submitted plan proposed the first 21 feet being mercantile. So we're, what I'm putting in as a condition is to, in addition to the first 21 feet being mercantile use, the first five feet need to be active display. Oh, okay, is that already part of the, the application? Because yeah, because we're approving this plan and this okay. plan has the 20, first 25, 21 okay. feet as mercantile use. Okay. So, but there's no furniture plan, so I want to see the first five feet being active retail display. Okay, so the application already includes the active uh, kind of retail use 
as part of the application, so we don't need to add that as an amendment. So really, the amendment is just about the display area. Yeah, I think that floor plan um, is part of their building submittal, and it, it dictates how the the building occupancy is evaluated at the at the building permit level. Obviously, it's you know they need to be substantially compliant with that, okay. you know, um, from the from the zoning point of view too. Okay, if the application is clear that it includes that retail use for the front portion, then it's, it sounds like that's covered. Yeah. Okay. So any. Further discussion on the motion? Can I, can I just clarify, um, just to dig in a little bit more on the one-year review? Are are you uh, like just in, just want to be super clear on what we're asking for at the one year? Is that for staff to report back to the planning board on sort of the performance of the applicant towards the conditions, and then the planning board can either you know, direct staff to schedule a revocation hearing, or is, um, I, just, I just wanted to, to understand what exactly was being asked for there. Yeah, did, uh, um, we would like to see that the, the applicant really, uh, you know, meets the conditions okay. of approval that activate the first five feet of the retail storefront. Again, so, given the history of violation. So I guess the clarification is, do we, is, are we requiring the application to be returned to the planning board up for discussion, or are we allowing that if staff finds that they're in compliance with the conditions, uh, uh, staff would just report back to us? And a, a report back should be sufficient. Okay. okay. Yeah. So Thank it's, you. So it's a report back and and uh, schedule it for a hearing if staff believes there's some violations to the condition that needs further discussion. That's that's what I'm. Okay. That, that sounds fine. I think that's that's consistent with a standard condition of approval that use permits are always subject to uh, a call for re review of, uh, by the board for for you know okay. investigation. Yeah. So, the only so we're not only, yeah, we're not only, going beyond that, but we're also not setting that. We're just saying we'll send you a memo, and if if you feel like we need to do something more, we'll we'll talk about that. Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with that. It's uh, maker motions. Fine with that. Okay. If there's no further discussion, let's take a vote on this item. Uh, all in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, any opposed? No. And um, mark that we have two abstentions. Two absences. Okay. Thank you, and we wish you the best um, on your assembly use. Thank, thank you once again for everyone who had the patience and came to this meeting. Going to allow like a minute for the room to clear out before we launch into the last item. President Hong? Yeah. I think we need a motion to continue past 1030. 1030? Okay. I think. Is that Can we true? verify that? Um, or is that just council? I think we should go ahead and make that motion okay. uh, before yeah. the next item starts. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, is there a motion to extend this meeting beyond 10.30 to handle this third item? I move to extend the meeting till 11 p.m. 11 p.m.? Yeah, we should be done. Second. Then. Second, okay. Uh, okay, moved and seconded. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye, any Aye. opposed? Aye. No. 
Okay, staff, item 5C, which is a development plan uh, amendment, a use permit and design review at 2000 Ardent Way to uh, consider amending the plans to allow for conversion of previously approved retail use to live workspace or live work studios staff. Yes, good evening. Um, Steve Buckley again. Uh, I'll be presenting the staff report for this uh, use permit application and design review. Um, also uh, involving a development plan amendment um, and a CEQA finding. Um, the development plan amendment um, addresses the uh, Block 9 uh, plan uh, within uh, uh, the Area A in uh, the Alameda Point um, planning area. Um, it was previously approved with a ground floor retail along uh, West Atlantic, um, consistent with the uh, Town Center Precise Plan. Um, the Precise Plan requires adaptable commercial along this stretch of the street. Um, and uh, so it, it did include a storefront commercial, um, roughly three large-ish um, <coughs> retail uh, areas, uh, totaling about 9,000 square feet. Um, those remain empty uh, two years after uh, completion of construction, um, and the applicant can explain more about that. But um, given that uh, it remains empty, they've applied for a use permit to convert um, most of the retail to uh, work-live studios. Uh, work-live are considered a commercial activity. Um, they require that the residents uh, maintain a business license um, and operate a business there. Um, and they typically have a more commercial sort of appearance and finish. Um, so um, they're, not, they're not technically considered dwelling units. Um, and so they would meet the definition of a, an adaptable uh, commercial use. Um, but they would be modified slightly uh, in terms of um, how they function with doors and windows um, that um, are more uh, conducive to ventilation, um, and um, the landscaping would be improved along the front of the building just to provide a, a little bit more of a buffer between the public street and sidewalk and the, um, and the uh, work-live units themselves, um, providing a little bit more of a sitting area in front. Um, we believe that this is uh, consistent with the prior approvals, which were streamlined <coughs> under the Alameda Point EIR and that no further CEQA analysis is required. Uh -oh. There we go. Uh, just a little context. Again, this is the Town Center Precise Plan. Shown in the blue box is Block 9, um, which is in this sort of transitional residential mixed-use area. Um, this is the Master Plan, um, which has the adaptable ground floor and the sort of uh, dotted red line along the street front on both sides of the street there. And then to the, a little bit to the east and then more to the west is more um, permanent uh, commercial uh, frontage was part of the, the original master plan. Um, and as you can see, it sort of transitions over towards the open space, which is along the seaplane lagoon, which is kind of the, the most uh, public area uh, with the views. This is the um, approved design review with the street front um, uh, system there with the 
um, large expanses of glass, um, uh, short bulkhead, and uh, uh, interspaced uh, commercial entrances. Um, the criteria uh, established in the precise plan talk about this uh, area as having uh, residential uses by right, but those are generally um, on the upper floors and around the back with the commercial along Atlantic, providing an 85% street wall along Atlantic, uh, providing uh, interesting architectural elements, sunshades, uh, high quality materials, landscaping, um, and this sort of permeability along the, the commercial frontage that there's a, a visibility as we were just talking about in and out of the, the commercial frontage um, and that there's a sort of interaction with the sidewalk. This is the approved, um, well, this is the proposed uh, street front. Uh, so you saw the picture and then this, this is very consistent with that, but as I said, there's some operable windows, uh, moving some doors around, um, adding some uh, shades uh, for um, some privacy. And this is the landscape treatment that adds a little bit more buffer uh, with um, sitting areas uh, along that sidewalk. It's, it's um, right now it's pretty <coughs> wide open. Uh, and partly I think because the commercial space is, is vacant, there's also no outdoor seating or signage or anything that sort of activates it. So this plan uh, gives it a little more life. Uh, for these work-live units, as I said, they're primarily commercial, um, but they do allow the living space. It's this combination uh, with uh, bedroom, uh, food prep, and bathing facilities um, uh, that can be uh, up to 30% of the gross floor area. They can be uh, slightly separate from the work area, but um, mostly an open floor plan is what's expected. Um, they have to meet commercial um, codes and, uh, as I said, be operated with a business license. They have to be at least 500 square feet and um, the use permit uh, can require conditions of approval, which are in the packet, um, which essentially repeat all of these things and other performance standards that are in the zoning code. So we've transferred all these requirements and put them in the conditions so they carry forward. Um, and we've investigated the floor plans and, and they meet these requirements as well. Uh, this is the floor plan. As I said, it's uh, most of the, the ground floor retail would be converted, uh, but there would be a, a cafe or a sort of a smaller retail space on the corner facing again that um, seaplane lagoon uh, sort of uh, future um, development area and, and the park that's sort of taking shape there. So there would be eight uh, work-live units. Um, findings are required to grant the use permit and the de design review um, and uh, the uh, development plan amendment. And so uh, those are the standard findings that you would expect and, and those are all made in the uh, draft resolution that's included in the packet. Um, and as I mentioned, the CEQA analysis is also included in the packet. And it, it's basically a restatement of the Block 9 CEQA uh, clearance. Um, this building has been completed, and so um, this minor uh, change to the commercial ground floor 
doesn't really trigger SQL review. And with that, I'm open to any questions. Okay, thank you. Uh, questions for staff? Okay, no questions. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. And the applicant is here. Okay, uh, then uh, applicant, uh, you would like to have, would you like to provide a presentation? Good evening, President Hom and members of the board. I'm Lindsay Ficini. I'm here representing Equity Residential. We're the owners of Arrow Apartments. I'm here with Nick Page, our retail director, and Kevin Markarian, our architect from Piatek, who'll also be presenting with me, as well as Jesse Markman from Jet Landscape Architect. Both Kevin and Jesse are the architects for the original building, as well as the conversion we're presenting today. Um, Arrow delivered in 2021 with 200 units and about 9,000 square feet of adaptable space. Um, the space was designed to accommodate retail and we attempted to lease it up as such. Um, we've about over two years in of attempting to lease this retail space. We've worked with two of the top brokers in the Bay Area. Our retail strategy has always focused on targeting local establishments versus the larger chains. We've reached out to restaurants, coffee shops, bike shops, breweries, pet shops, the list goes on and on. We've also extended our search to service providers like acupuncture and chiropractor. The outreach has been extensive. We've gone out to over 4,300 different businesses, cold calling and direct outreach. We've uh, had to source and pull in leads directly because we haven't had a lot of response to our ads. Um, we've <coughs> We've had a handful of LOIs throughout the last two plus years and facilitated a few tours of the space. Um, the primary feedback that we've gotten is there just isn't enough critical mass at this location today to support retail. Um, it hasn't been asking rents or other economics, it's location, lack of density, lack of traffic. Um, as you all know, the trajectory for new development at Alameda Point is stalled and uh, we're long-term holders here. We see a bright future for the point. And if we want to activate the street frontage, we need to modify our approach. So uh, Steve mentioned our proposal, um, but 1,850 square feet we'd like to maintain for retail at the corner. That's about 20% of the entire area and convert the remaining stretch to eight work-live units. Um, the studios, the work-live studios, are commercial use. They require a business license. Uh, they also serve the dual purpose of providing needed housing units. Uh, we know we can lease work-live units. We've done so at other Bay Area assets. And we know this is a desirable location to live because Arrow is 98% occupied. Um, we're confident we can accomplish the city's objectives in maintaining an activated commercial frontage through good design, and so I'll let Kevin speak to that. Slide. No. Why don't you just jump in? Sorry, while staff is looking up your slides, 
Hopefully you can cover. Oh, there you go. start? Right. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Um, and I can control it here. Okay, so there you go, some existing conditions and existing and proposed, well, proposed. All right, here we are. Okay, uh, thanks, Lindsay. Um, as the original architect for Arrow, um, we imagined far more activity in this space when we first designed it. I think we started in 2017 and thought, you know, yeah, this could be really vibrant someday with retail and, and pandemic hit, things changed. And <clears throat> um, I think this is an incredible opportunity to activate West Atlantic um, with this use and it's consistent with the, uh, with the adaptable ground floor um, designation that the zoning started with. And it'll give a 24 seven presence to that street frontage and which would otherwise be unoccupied space and um, I'll just say we started with the work live or ordinance and we also looked um, at nearby storehouse loft, which is just around the corner um, you know, on the point and kind of similar to that. Um, we, have, we have 14 foot tall ceilings, which if it were taller, we would put mezzanines would be more private, but we didn't have that, but it's very light and airy. And um, so when we started looking at each of these, we found that we could have a really good split between the 70-30 for work-live, um, put the more public-facing um, work functions towards the storefronts, and then the more private uses in the back, and still be able to use some, some partition to, to break out the, the more um, living space. And um, as Steve covered, I won't spend too much time, but these are some ideas I'll just add that we have also are proposing some signage on the doors so that um, somebody, for the people who have the business can then post, uh, have something for their business that's present. And uh, some bottom up shades to control for, um, it's south facing so it can get blasted by sun, but also you know, when you close up shop, can, can close um, some sun shades, but it, you know, it's pretty, pretty bright actually with a tall storefront, so having sun shades would be helpful. And then some urban greening, it's, it's a little sparse right now. And I think when we value engineered the project, we lost some redwood benches and some other things that were in the original design. And this is an opportunity to bring those things back and working, working with Jet on um, adding some of that detail, uh, redwood benches, some taller planter elements and, and getting more verticality of the planting. And then also balancing some of the more hardscape with softscaped areas. So it's kind of the more public areas where those doorways are more hardscaped and then some softness to it, which I think our environment needs. Uh, the planting palette and lighting would be um, very much in tune with the existing development. Um, kind of behind this building, we have 200 car parking spaces, 200 bike parking spaces as part of the development. There's, there's lots of amenities and um, I mean, this is just really an opportunity to put the final touch on our, on our building. And, and I think I'll end here and just say that, you know, we really appreciate the opportunity to enhance this and, and also kind of continue the good work on Alameda Point and uh, look forward to your comments. Thanks. Okay. Any questions of the applicant? Okay, no questions. So 
I'll open up the public hearing. Do we have any speakers? We do have one uh, person with their hand raised. You want to go okay. to that now? Uh, online speaker, right? Okay. Yeah, we have uh, Karen Bay. I'll allow you to talk. Okay. Hey, Ms. Bay, your three minutes. Okay, wonderful. Uh, good evening, uh, President Hahn, members of the planning board and staff. Uh, this is Karen Bay, and I have submitted my comments in writing also about the development plan amendment to remove most of the 9,000 square feet of retail that was approved for Block 9. Uh, though we are an island, Alameda has never had a mixed-use waterfront development. So the general plan 2040 laid out three goals for the Alameda Point waterfront town center and mixed-use district. One, create a main street like Park Street and Webster Street. Two, identify three, preserve. The key word is preserve retail and commercial opportunities for the retail and commercial businesses that would be attracted to Alameda Point once housing and new development, uh, in new industries and employees have settled at Alameda Point. We went from 6,000 square feet, 600,000 square feet to 200,000 square feet in the last development amendment and carved out just 35,000 square feet for the waterfront retail in buildings 9, 10, and 11. With the increase in new development at Site A and West Midway and the sale and leasing program approved in the adjacent business district, demand will only increase for retail, restaurants, and cafes. Arrow is 98% occupied, so build it and they will come. Right? If we if we give it up, <laughs> uh, we lose it forever. The key word here is to preserve it for future development, which is happening, um, which is planned, and and we've got a robust sales uh, and leasing program on the way. So I, I I'd hate for us to give up this important strategic economic asset because once we give it up, we can't give it back. Finally, with the, approved, with the entitlements that have been approved at Alameda Point and the waterfront shuttle, uh, uh, I mean, this is our opportunity to offer waterfront experiences in Alameda. So I'd like you to really think carefully about giving up this, this very important asset. Again, because once we give it up, uh, we can't give it back. The key word is if we don't preserve it, we lose it, and that's my concern. I've been very passionate about this I issue from the very beginning. Um, I you know, worked with the developers to try to make sure that they were committed to preserving the retail, and so that's why I'm speaking tonight. So thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ms. Bay. Uh, taking no other public speakers. That's Not, it. I'll close the public hearing and open it up to board discussion. Uh, board member Wang. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks to staff and uh, also thanks to the applicant uh, who took the time to brief me on this project. Um, we did, we've heard uh, comments um, about the loss of commercial here. Um, it seems to me 
just reading the code and the definition of work live and the program proposed here that we're not really seeing so much a loss of retail uh, except maybe a little bit on a net square footage basis as we're seeing a conversion to a more flexible model that hopefully is more attractive to potential tenants. Um, in my view, the project hasn't been able to land any retail after at least a couple years of leasing efforts. I'm pretty satisfied that they put in a good faith effort to do so. Um, I've certainly um, seen situations where there have been vacant storefronts that have been driven by a lack of um, good faith or sincere leasing efforts. So I think in this situation, I would agree the change is probably the optimal move at a difficult moment in the economy. It's probably the optimal move in the life cycle of this development. And I think it, it's smart and thoughtful uh, given uh, changing shopping paradigms. I like that the owners now at this juncture proposing to invest more capital into this conversion. I think that'll improve the, the, the pedestrian experience along that frontage um, and hopefully improve leasing prospects. Um, and just as a, a side comment, I, I think the work live typology is super interesting. Uh, we probably don't see this enough in our communities. I would just caution the owner to price them thoughtfully because um, I think they could be a really great value proposition. Um, I do have a couple constructive comments that I think are actually already a part of the application, but I want to make sure that they are codified in the approval. Um, one is I understand from the plans and from the applicant's presentation that they're uh, incorporating a uh, business identification system that tenants can utilize. I, I think that's super important um, because this frontage has been vacant for so long and we're now looking at kind of loosening up that logjam, I think looking to ensure that kind of social dialogue of the street is super important. And I would propose that um, this conversion proceed with the requirement um, that, the, that the tenants stick to including this basic signage system that tenants can utilize. And then additionally, if it's practicable at the administrative level that is part of the tenant's work-live permit that I understand they need to get when they occupy the space that the tenant is required to put that identification in place. Um, the second comment I have is that the designs currently don't have detail on how and whether sleeping areas get access to natural light. Uh, understand from the applicant that that's absolutely part of the intent. Um, so I would propose a condition also that requires that those sleeping areas or bedrooms implement some kind of borrowed light strategy to be determined as design is further developed. Okay, thank you. I mean, if you could clarify when with your first one with regard to building ID system, you talked about, you know, I, I get the concept uh, specifically, and you mentioned signage. Um, I, I, the intent is obvious to make sure there's the visibility of these commercial uses are there. Is there something more specific other than signage that you would like to include in the condition? No, I, I'm, I'm satisfied with what the applicant has in their proposal. I just want to make sure that that sticks in the, in the design process. Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks. 
<coughs> uh, comments from other board members? Okay, uh, Vice President Osineros. Uh, yeah, thank you um, uh, for the presentation. And I um, want to disclose I also met with the applicant. Uh, I um, asked this question, but I just want to ask it for the record because I, I do appreciate um, the public comment about the loss of retail and um, wanting to activate this really high opportunity area for Alameda. But um, I'm curious um, what the residents' response were to um, converting the space to live work. So um, I don't know if the applicant could speak to that. Um, I'm sorry for not asking that sooner. I just mm, no uh, problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Yeah. Um, our residents want to see something at that location. Um, I think they're tired of seeing vacant storefront. Um, at this point, given the leasing efforts that I've outlined, it's not really a question of retail versus work live. It's retail or vacant storefront. Um, so. I think that having something there is better than having nothing, and that's what our residents would agree with. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. the sentiment. Thank you. Okay. Um, any bo other board comments? Okay, board member Ruiz. So um, thank you for the presentation and answering our questions. I just want to disclose that I met with the applicant prior to this meeting, and I can support um, board member Wang's um, requests. Um, in terms of the the bedroom borrow light in the bedroom, I think that's a building code requirement. I don't know if the can the planning board request that the interior layouts of the units. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, you can you can request. I guess um, it's, it's a little tricky to require. Right, because you know, I know the, light, the bedroom, yeah. bedroom light, that's a building code issue. And, and, and the, I think there's a question like, is it a bedroom or is it just a room? Um, you know, those sorts of things come right. up. If it just has a barn door, or, I'm not an expert, but these are the kinds of things I've heard. Yeah, and I'll ask again, I, I don't think is it this board's purview, but I've noticed some locations of the bedroom <laughs> doors kind of facing the public. I would ask that maybe possible alternatives so that it, but again, I understand that's just a suggestion. It's not a condition or anything of this board. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you, have I don't, you don't have to. Yeah. I'm just looking at um, this. No, I, I support uh, uh, board member Wing's uh, suggestion. I'll also note that I did meet with the, uh, with the applicant as well. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, my comments is pretty much in line with the board. I understand the public comment from Ms. Bay is ideally you would love to see retail use and we have reduced the retail use uh, from what the original proposal is. Unfortunately, you know, as much as you wish for retail, the market conditions uh, dictate a due sense that the developer uh, did make an honest effort to try to attract retail uses. I do acknowledge that it's probably a challenging location. Um, I think uh, going the live-work route is a good compromise, as was mentioned uh, by the board member. You know, it does still require 70% of the space to be commercial. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, doesn't prevent in the future these live-work uses 
being converted more to commercial uses too, I'm sure. So I think in, in an effort to try to activate this use and, and unfortunately given the unfortunately weak uh, retail market in general and particularly a location like this where it's a little bit more challenging because of the economy of scale. Um, I'm supporting this proposed amendment. So with that uh, motion. Someone must make a motion. I, gu I guess I should oh, do yeah, this one. Go ahead. <laughs> you spoke first. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, I move to approve uh, with the added condition that um, that the designs carry a uh, building identification system that uh, with the condition that um, future tenants when applying for a work lift permit uh, do put that identification in place and I'll go ahead and try our luck on the uh, the borrowed light condition as well I'm seeing Mr. Buckley nodding, so. We'll, we'll figure out a way to word it. <laughs> well, even if it's a matter of compliance with building code, almost like an informational condition. Um, a second to uh, Board Member Wang's motion. I can second. Okay, seconded by Vice President uh, Sineris. Any discussion at this point? <laughs> okay, we're gonna take a vote. All in favor? Aye. 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 No pose, so is five approvals, two abstentions. Okay, thank you for thank you for staying up for this late evening. I, it's always tough to be the last item. Yeah, so thank you for your patience. Um, okay, staff communications, uh, item six A. So uh, any report out on recent actions? Um, you have the uh, the item uh, attached to the packet, a uh, few um, design reviews and other actions have been underway um, at the staff level. Um, and then we'll also be coming back to you soon with some annual reports. Um, uh, so you'll, you'll get a nice thick packet, I think, uh, next time. Um, general plan and, and housing element, but also um, the climate adaptation resilience, uh, transportation, uh, Vision Zero, and a, a bunch of other um, plan uh, reports. Okay, I hope you will, will pace that out for our... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a necessary evil. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, the annual report season is upon us. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. So when is the next meeting then? Mm. Are you, are, are February 26th. Oh, February 26th. Okay. Mm. Okay. I may have a conflict, but I'll let you know. Um, okay. Any other items to report out? Um, okay. If not, uh, on to 6B. Any oral reports? Or, or you basically covered it? I think I just covered it. Okay. Okay. Uh, item 7, board communications. Any announcements from board members? Okay, board, uh, Vice President Cineros. Yeah, um, not an announcement, but, um, and I wish I uh, brought this up sooner, or thought of it sooner, where um, uh, with the big 
beginning of the state legislative session, there's like all these housing bills that pass and um, we touched on it a little bit like um, SB 1083, whatever it was, <laughs> and um, the Subdivision Map Act and how um, there's been amendments to that. I, I'm just curious if um, maybe in the future like we could have like a workshop after a legislative session about some of the state bill. Like I, I feel like for the most part, I'm pretty um, aware of what's going on like through my day job, but I think it would be beneficial for us as we're like thinking about that, um, especially as it relates to like updates in the housing element and our related work. <laughs> yeah, we've, we have actually been thinking about um, some more uh, interactive opportunities uh, for some sort of training, whether it's um, from staff or um, at a workshop that might be hosted by one of our many local uh, forums. Um, so yeah, we'd, we'd be up, uh, very open to talking about different ideas about how to um, sort of all get on the same page and, and also just spend some time together. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. As a start, I, the, the one, one thing you might re refer us to is the, there's kind of recorded webinars by APA California and also League of California Cities that covers the this next this last round of housing bills and other like sequel legislation and ADUs and a whole, that whole same assortment of bills that always gets done every single year. So, you know, you could forward those to us as a start. Sure, but we could do that. Yeah, there's lots of newsletters put out by the law firms, um, but also Spur, ABAG. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's lots of information out there, but, you know, trying to find a way to make it more interactive and, mm -hmm. and yeah, um, yeah. you know, applicable to, yeah. to our work. I like, I like the idea of having some good discussions, some good Q&A, but uh, there are some good resources out there. A little dry, but they cover it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, let's see, any other, oh, Board um, Member Wang. Yeah, a comment along similar lines. Uh, I think in particular, how some of these um, pieces of state legislation come into play in Alameda. Um, I took down a couple, a member of the public actually wrote us asking about Alameda's implementation of AB 1033, which is, I think allows cities to allow, or opt in to allow for discrete sale of ADUs. Um, and then there's also AB 413, which is daylighting crosswalks. I don't know if that's within our purview, but interested to learn about progress on that or implementation yeah i mean as far as the daylighting i can comment on that um we've we've uh, you know un, not unlike some of the housing legislation a lot of it overlaps with things that we've that this board has is done in the past and the transportation commission at this point um, in terms of adopting policies and the council um, so we've we're kind of ahead of the game we've been we've been it's been an active effort over the last few years there's some subtle differences between what we've been implementing and what the state legislation is and so um, we have to sort of match that up but but we're definitely aware of and implementing that that one great thanks okay board member ruiz switching gears a little bit um i just want to communicate that the um community had reached out to me public uh, members of the community has reached out to me and expressed concern that currently Alameda Point um, has a lack of public transportation ever since AC Transit stopped the, stopped the bus route going to Alameda Point. I was made aware of that some parents have to walk 45 minutes to bring their kids to school. 
Um, and I, I'm asking um, the staff, please work with um, Transportation Commission and see what, what we can do to address that. Because, yeah, they, they live in the existing units and they go to either NIA or Academy and Google Maps says it's a half an hour walk. But when you have stroller plus two kids, it's a 45 minute walk. So just want to be sensitive to that and then we should look into it and address it. Okay. Absolutely. Our staff's been participating in the AC Transit Realign process, which has been put on pause, but one of the things we've been working with them on is um, adjusting one of the existing routes, Line 20, to, to connect to Alameda Point to the West End a little bit more, and, and so we'll definitely keep that in mind. Thank you. Okay. Any other board members? Yeah. I just wanted to add one comment, um, just going back to the church project. Uh, you know, I, I totally understand where, you know, Daba is coming from in terms of wanting to maintain uh, active retail frontage along Park Street. Um, you know, the, I know that area, that section has is, is, is been quiet and dead for a while. And, you know, I, I think, you know, this is kind of just maybe a more broad comment of maybe if, if staff is considered or explored, like, re-examining what the uses are allowed just along that frontage, because I think you know, assembly use, um, you know, along that park, it, when you think about it, just what is active there and what is going on there, it doesn't seem to make much sense. So um, could be something to explore, because I do think that might be, you know, kind of more of a long-term solution of kind of, and this goes back to kind of this cascading effect, right, of, of not wanting it to set precedent. Um, one way you don't do that is you <laughs> make it not allowed going forward. So anyway, yeah, this is my thought on that. Yeah, I, I, I would, I support that comment. I think it came up kind of briefly during our discussion. Um, I would, yeah, it does concern me that for a key couple of blocks, maybe it's not the entire Partridge Corridor, but for the key retail core, trying to emphasize you know active retail uses, because it does seem like an assembly use really does dilute that kind of continuity, and it could weaken the the retail district. So something to look into. So I think that's I think that's a worthy comment. And you might check what other cities are doing again too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, if that's it for the comment, oh, we still have one last item. Is uh, any non-agenda public comments? Do we have any speakers? I assume I, I see no speakers. Gone to sleep or they're lost patience. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, no um, additional public comments, so we're going to adjourn the meeting at 10.50. Thank you, everyone.